On this episode of Geek Out Loud, we're passing the corn for the month of June 2017. We're talking Wonder Woman. There's some sad news. There's some good news. There's some fun news. Listen, it's all that good stuff. It's their safe place to geek out. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Geek Out Loud, your safe place to geek out on the internet. My name is Steve Glosson. Glad to be along with you, and I'm glad to have with me uh, once again uh, my brother from another mother. He's all the way up on the East Coast where they're finally experiencing summer, unlike those of us in the Deep South. Ladies and gentlemen, you know you may know him as at Darth underscore Duff on the Twitter. You may know him as the guy who you yelled past the corn to at Celebration and he suddenly lit up like, oh, finally, something interesting's going on. I know him as my brother, as I've said, from another mother. This is Eric Schoenerweiss. What's up, buddy? Hello, my friend. Hello, Goliverse. What a day. It's a fine, fine Saturday afternoon. Yeah, it's a beautiful Saturday afternoon here in northwest Georgia, and I'm sitting inside. So am I. <laughs> So am I, with a what? cold Pabst Blue Ribbon in my hand and Suicide Squad on the big screen oh, and wow. talking to my brother from another I mother. Hear you. Boy, do we have a lot to talk about. We've today. got a ton to talk about, a ton to talk about. Right out of the gate, I just want to go ahead and say thanks to our featured Patreon supporter. You can support us at Patreon by going to patreon.com slash geekoutloud, Carrie Brown. Now, Carrie found himself transported to the Phantom Zone after a weird incident involving a water cooler, a shorted-out electrical socket, a toaster oven, a waffle maker, and a chocolate milkshake. When he came back, he found that the strange energies of the Phantom Zone now granted him powers far beyond those of mortal men. Carrie can make himself intangible so as to be able to pass through walls or reach in those hard-to-reach places. And then he can also increase his density to become immovable and invulnerable. So basically, you can't get away from him and you can't go through him. Just give up now, evil. This is Kerry Brown. He's our featured supporter at patreon.com slash geekoutloud where you can support the shows uh, as you so choose. Also, we have Amazon links and Entertainment Earth links and Think Geek links at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com. There's also a place where you can buy tickets through Fandango there. All of these things help the show out in a big, bad way, and we would appreciate you using those links to do your online shopping to, to help us out. You don't get charged anything extra. Uh, we just get kind of a referral fee kickback. Uh, because you've helped the shows out in that way. Um, all right, Erish. Well, before we pass the corn, we've, we've got some things we need to talk about. We do, my friend. And uh, as of this recording today, we just learned this morning of the passing of um, Adam West, the, the, the original, not the original Batman necessarily, but the, the uh, most, I think the most iconic. Yes, I, I think to, to many, many people out there, when they hear Batman, they think Adam West. Yes. Yep. Um, I mean, I, I know I certainly do. Yeah, you know, he, um, along with Burt Ward as Robin, you know, they did something with that show where obviously it was a send-up, it was meant to be campy, it was meant to be funny, but he 
he did something that no one else, other than maybe a Leslie Nielsen would later on with your Airplane and Naked Gun movies, uh, played Batman so straight and delivered some of the most uh, hilarious lines just straight-faced and straight-laced. And, um, you know, you think of... <laughs> You think of his tips to Robin about buckling up or studying, you know, and of course there's the uh, the most popular, some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. Um, all of I was just going to bring that up. That is, when I think of the Adam West Batman, that is what I think of. That scene with him running around trying to get rid of the bomb. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, he goes to throw it off the pier and he looks down and there's a mother duck and her ducklings. Yep. And just, there's the you know, whole... it goes from one ridiculous <laughs> thing to the next. And it just keeps going and going and going. And it's just such an iconic scene. I will always remember that. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, as a kid watching Batman, it didn't, it didn't occur to me that this was meant to be kind of funny. Like, and that was the magic of that show, that for children who watched it they were watching superheroes beat up supervillains mm -hmm. um and you know for for adults who would watch it they're like oh this is kind of funny this is a cute send up and you know and then there'd be these cameos of people that you knew i mean caesar romero was a latin lover burgess meredith was a well-respected actor and that's not to even mention the cameos of people when they were climbing the wall who would stick their head out the windows and that sort of thing that became a show for those two and a half years or so that it was on that everyone wanted to be a part of. Right. And and right there at the center of it was Adam West. And uh, apparently he'd been battling leukemia. And I don't know how public that really was. Um, you know, it, it's that old school mentality of don't let people know you're suffering. Kind right. Of thing. And, um, and so we're sad to see him go. He was, I believe, 80. What did I see today? He was in his 80s. So, a long life, well lived. I just want to add this to it. You know, in addition to him playing Batman, I think one of the things, especially in the last 10, 15 years, that I really appreciated about him was how he embraced his role uh, as Batman and how he embraced his role within the fandom. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that he was really one of the first guys who, who accepted that accepted and understood the love that was being thrown back at him by the fans, you know, that it wasn't something to, because, you know, we know as star Wars fans, we know for a long time that Mark Hamill kind of thumbed his nose at it, you know, didn't make appearances at conventions, mm -hmm. certainly didn't embrace it the way he has now, you know, within the last five, five, 10 years or so. But Adam West, like just for a long running time there, really embraced it, attended all these conventions, was always friendly and gracious with the fans, always happy to take pictures with them and tell a story. Um, and then also, like I thought he was really smart in that, you know, the role he played on Family Guy, things like that, where it was kind of you know, playing up a little bit on the Adam West persona and he did it like very tongue in cheek. Uh oh, we've lost Irish. Uh, wait, what? You dropped off after tongue in cheek. After tongue in cheek. You said he did it very tongue in cheek. Okay. You got me now though, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you know, taking on that role on family guy yep. and, you know, being very kind of tongue in cheek with it, knowing that it was playing up a little bit on what we perceived as the Adam West persona. Mm-hmm. 
that a lot of it came out of uh, Batman, I thought was really good for him. That opened up, that opened him up to a whole new audience, to a whole new generations of fans that then went back and maybe watched him in Batman and some of the other things he did. Yeah. So I just felt like for somebody who was so linked to that one iconic role on Batman, he had either good sensibility about himself or good people around him that pointed him in the right directions that really like in the last 10, 15 years, like really made him part of the fandom and stuff. So, yeah. And, and that's, and you know, when you go back in time to 1989 and Tim Burton's Batman, there was a resurgence of popularity for the character. Everyone was wearing the bat symbol and all this stuff. And I remember in the aftermath of what Burton and company had done that among some fans there was a a kickback against the the 66 Batman. And and that's unfortunate and I and I probably as a young person got caught up in that too. Um, just thinking, oh, that wasn't really Batman. This is Batman, you know. You when you're a comic nerd as a teenager, and you just shoot off at the mouth, you know, anything. But and it's unfortunate that there were some fans who who went that route because the one thing I had to come back around to and realize is this: his Batman, along with like Super Friends, was and even Batman and Robin hanging out with Scooby Doo. Those were my gateways into the superhero universe. You know, these things being on Saturday mornings or being shown in syndication or whatever. That was my gateway into the whole superhero universe and into comics and that sort of thing. And so, um, you know, he's partly to blame for this podcast right now. And, and that's, really? yeah, well, yeah, of course, because yeah. you know, no bat. I, if I wasn't watching Batman as a kid, I wouldn't have been into superheroes and stuff. Hey, come on. You're doing a podcast with Brian Austin green. So like for a second there, I'm like, wait, did Adam West, like, like touch Steve on the shoulder and say you need to create the Goliverse for a minute. He know? may he may have you know, but I mean that's the thing. All these people that we follow for for better or for worse. I mean they 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 become a part of kind of the decisions we make down the road with our fandom, and you know and, and the and that original Batman series is one of those things that I always enjoyed watching and you know same bat time same bat channel and uh, you know the sincerity of Batman and I remember. Uh, there was a comic book that came out a few years ago that was kind of like uh, <clears throat> basically Adam West. It was an it was like the Adventures of Adam West, and I forget who put it out, but but there was a statement in there. It's like everyone wants a Dark Knight, and no one wants a Cape Crusader. Mm. And and I thought that was so poignant that that you know he was never the Dark Knight, but he was the Cape Crusader. You know he and Burt Ward the dynamic duo, and so. Um, we wish him well and wish his family well, and um, and he will be missed. He there be is missed. a really good documentary that it, it it was just if you have like Stars or Showtime, Epic, like any of those cable channels, it kind of makes its way through those channels. I'm trying to find the name of it here, but his IMDb credits list is like a mile long. Mm -hmm. It's impossible to find it. Right. Here. Um, I believe it has his name in the title. Um, if, if you come across it, it's definitely worth watching, um, especially now in, in the, the wake of his passing. Yeah. Um, but it, it's certainly worth looking out for yeah. and, you know, spending a couple minutes with it. So Adam West has gone on in and uh, now we, it's going to be all uphill from here, ladies and gentlemen. So here we go.
we'll, we'll move on into some other things. Um, you sent me a text with a picture of uh, something that James Graham Gunn had posted on his Instagram. I did. And um, um, it really kind of captured your imagination. Uh, just his Instagrams in general. Yep. I, I found it really entertaining. He's um, especially now in the uh, in the wake of uh, in the wake of Guardians of the Galaxy being released. He's been posting a lot of behind the scenes mm -hmm. uh, things. He just the other day he posted a video of him. It, it's a video of him doing the Baby Groot dance from the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, nice. And yeah. Along with the video, like or the picture that he posts, there's always like an explanation of what it is that you're looking at. Mm -hmm. And this was the video that he did for the, the video effects team to follow for Groot's dance. So he's literally doing Groot's dance. Um, but this picture that I sent you was, uh, was one that he actually stepped in and filmed Stanley's cameo for Dr. Strange. Yes. Yep. And, uh, you know, if you guys have seen Doctor Strange, you know, his cameo is he's sitting on a bus uh, <laughs> reading a book. And I just found, like, he posted some of the things that, that they had Stan say. They did a lot of different takes of things. And I just found them really funny. Um, so one of them was Stan asking, do you know what Excelsior means? <laughs> Um, another one was uh, just Stan yelling, I'm laughing for no reason. I'm totally crazy. <laughs> um, and then James says that his favorite one was uh, was going to be Stan was going to be sitting there reading uh, a Garfield book and laughing. Mm -hmm. And he says he hates Mondays, but he loves lasagna. That's right. <laughs> uh, I just, I, that would have just cracked me up if Stan had actually said that they said that they actually it made it into a cut of the movie and they had to take it out because it was too long mm. um, which is kind of crazy because I mean what it takes 10 seconds to say that maybe and that's too long but anyway he um, you know and recently there's been hints about him writing Guardians of the Galaxy 3 and stuff but the behind the scenes stuff that he posts yeah. I just find really fascinating and it's also really fun, and there's a lot of making fun of Michael Rooker too, mm -hmm. because the two of them are really close friends, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of like kind of like little uh, shots at him, um, and of course the the link the picture I sent you I cut off his address on, so I can't tell people what I think it's just James Gunn, yeah, and it's G U N N, and it's all one word on Instagrams. So I definitely recommend you guys following it. Yeah, he does a lot of fun fan access stuff. And, you know, if you follow him on Facebook, all of his stuff is kind of connected. Um, and, and so you'll find the stuff. But, yeah, he has a lot of fun things out there. And he and he also, you know, if, if the fans tweet out something cool, you'll see that and um, that, that he gives to them. And he just, he is, he's enjoying what he's doing. And, he's one um, of us, man. Yep. Yeah. And uh and and so it it's just it's fun to follow him with some of the stuff that he'll it's almost like your own special D V D feature. You know, yes. like a special feature for yourself if you just follow what he's got. And um like I say, and then sometimes he'll 
write some things that are pretty poignant as well but um so yeah check him out it's at james gunn on on instagram and uh it's worth it's worth a follow um where do we go you want to go black panther real quick did you watch that trailer? yeah yeah let's do that and then battlefront yeah let's do that we'll, we'll do the trailers and and right. uh, and talk about those things uh well first of all yesterday kind of getting ready for the teaser they would release for um black panther which is not scheduled to release until february um was this poster of him sitting on the throne of wakanda you know in a suit everything this is this is uh t'challa basically on the throne and um and it's just a really cool looking poster uh with the black panther logo and everything and the date that it's coming out it, it's a great looking poster and you've got wakandan writing all over the place and so i'm sure that'll be uh translated for us at some point um but then they dropped this teaser trailer last night that uh did what a teaser is supposed to do i think I, and i've had some interesting reaction from some friends who have been like, so is this something we should be into? Is this something that I'm going to enjoy? Um, you know, Was that I, their reaction before or after the trailer? After. After. Really? Yeah, they, they felt like the trailer had a, kind of a weird feel to it. And um, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think it looks really cool. I thought it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, I didn't even I didn't know we were getting a trailer. Me neither. I was watching I was watching the basketball game and the commercial break came on and I flipped over to I don't know what garbage I, maybe either the Yankees game or some bad movie that was on and I flipped back and it was in the middle of the trailer I'm like what what is this and then I realized it was Black Panther I'm like what mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so I you know I only saw like this the like the the second half of it and i rewound and watched that a couple times and i'm like let me just go on twitter because i'm pretty sure they probably <laughs> yeah put it's it on there. there too yeah right <laughs> and, and found it right away um i just was blown away by it i mean one i love the music in it i thought that the music worked really well mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with the trailer and for me the music was a little something different yep um but i really dug it i dug like the bass beat to it and stuff I love the colors and the costumes. Yes. Yep. Were fantastic. It was like this whole kaleidoscope of colors. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't get wrong with. I will never complain about more Andy Circus. Uh, hundred percent agree. Especially knowing that he's playing Claw. Um, yes. Which is, you know, for me, the Marvel fanboy, is like, okay, I see you, Claw, and I see this may be a Claw origin story, and that just excites me to know in. Well, and it's it's it was post Avengers too because he was missing the the arm. Right, right, and and he's there with Everett Ross, who I'm mm -hmm. glad to see Everett Ross back. And this this teaser really is less about the Black Panther and more about Wakanda, though. Yeah. Like it's really doing a good job of setting us up for for kind of an idea of what Wakanda is because. We've seen a glimpse of it at the end of Civil War during the post credit sequence, but we have not really been to it properly. And no. and and apparently Wakanda keeps itself fronted by a third world country. They they kind of have a facade of a third world country, you know, and somehow they keep hidden from the world this this incredibly technologically advanced society that's also based in a lot of spiritualism too. And um and 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 look, I, I said of this actor who, and this is how much I love him, I can't even think of his name right now, um, 
but I but I said of him way back when when we were getting it's, ready to go into Civil is War. Is it Chadwick Boseman? Chadwick Boseman. That I think he is just phenomenal. He has there's something about him that when he's on the screen, you are compelled just to pay attention to every frame. I mm-hmm. loved him as the Black Panther in Civil War, and I am looking forward to spending more time with him. And and here's why that is is kind of a statement for me because I was never a big Black Panther fan in the comics. Um, in Likewise, fact, a, a lot of the stories that he would be in always seemed to kind of get slow slowed down for me. And um, and so I'm really looking forward to this. I think I, I think it looks a little bit different than anything else we've seen out of the Marvel universe as well. And not ju- not just because you're dealing with a you know diversity in the cast and everything, but you mentioned this the colors and everything, the kaleidoscope of colors. This is a this is a use of a color palette that we've not really seen with this with this kind of settings and these kind of colors and everything being in a in a real world in a in, you know on Earth kind of setting. And so I am, and I think it's a great contrast to the fact that he is you know his costume is all black. A lot of times you know you want your hero who's in the uh, you know, who's in your bright primary colors, you want them to be the brightest thing on screen when it comes time for them to do their job. But here, for him to stand out, he's surrounded by color. And um, and, and so it's a neat, neat kind of way to do to do that. But also there's the cool shot of the, uh, uh, you know, they look like some type of rebels or terrorist cell or... The guy with know. the mask. Where he well, not, no, no, I'm talking about the guys that are out with their guns and they shine the light on the dog. That mangy dog, and they turn around, and the light's just briefly on him, on the Black Panther. It's a very Batman moment, and really cool. The the moment that that stood out for me is, again, it looks like, I don't know if they're terrorists or like a a rebel cell. The guy who puts on that mask with the Mm -hmm. horns on the front of it, and then blows the hole in the wall, but that mask was just amazing amazing to look at well how about that so cool how about that's michael b jordan and i didn't even recognize him i was just gonna that was michael b jordan yes was it yeah wow with all the, right i gotta watch print, it again with the prince hair yeah i mean the, the cast in this movie with chadwick boseman michael b jordan from creed mm-hmm. lapita nyong'o yes uh, yep i'm gonna mess up pronunciation of her name dana dan danny well, careful, uh, I, careful. Yeah, I'm messing up her name. It's a difficult name. She's from uh, Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, she's fantastic. Martin Freeman, you mentioned. Angela Bassett's in this. Forrest Whitaker, Andy Serkis. Uh, it's just like a heavy hitters list of fantastic actors yes. in this. Yep. Danny Guerrero. Gar- yeah. Guerrero. Thank you. Yeah. I, I don't even know if that's correct. Sure, why wouldn't um, it be? Um, but yeah, now, the the mask dude you're talking about is a guy named Killmonger, Eric Killmonger. And um, he's actually tied into Claw and stuff in the comics. And, okay. um, and so he, it, it's kind of, I think it's a situation where he feels like he has the right to take over Wakanda from the Black Panther. And so this is going to be a little bit of you know, superhero kind of action battling for the throne, right? Sort of thing. Yeah, kind of a yeah, kind of a Game of Thrones in Wakanda, maybe. So, we will see. We will see indeed. So, um, well, I am great. 
Look, I'm excited for every Marvel movie that's coming, but seeing this trailer and seeing it in such an unexpected way, I was not expecting to see it. Mm-hmm. Like it just floored me. Yeah. I cannot wait to see this. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the thing I was saying is like, who expected uh, who expected a, a Black Panther? teaser you know this quick especially when we're all i think we're all just kind of sitting waiting for the next thing from ragnarok you know as we kind right. of wait for uh spider-man homecoming to to come out you know i think our everyone was saying well the next thing will be a full trailer for ragnarok and then boom here's your teaser for black panther uh, well it's you know it's marvel it's marvel and disney taking advantage of a prime moment game mm-hmm. four of the nba finals potentially the last game last night on a friday night they know they're gonna have a huge audience I think it was brilliant, mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant, uh, debuting the trailer last night. Yeah, I agree, and and it came across as we recorded to Mark Out Loud, so I had to stop everything and watch it then. <laughs> so another trailer that's dropped as we're recording this, it's very seldom are we so up on the news, ladies and gentlemen, but it's worth mentioning uh, for the gamers out there that Battlefront 2, the official trailer, another trailer for it, has dropped and um it looks really cool now i'm not i can't play these games to save my life there is some gameplay uh scene in there um where you're actually playing as a battle droid but uh i i am not i'm not good at these type of first person shooter games and things well what they're doing is there's a big ea convention this weekend Mm -hmm. and they debuted this new trailer today and then they're also live streaming um i think it's a 20 player like live gameplay stream mm-hmm. in the feed environment um and so i think that that's why uh that's why feed played such a big role in this trailer yeah is because they're also doing this live stream afterwards so people can really get a sense of what the gameplay is going to be like in this yeah the music um, the music for this trailer was out of this world by the way yeah, just everything. It all looked fantastic. Mm-hmm. It looked exciting. I love the opening where it goes from the first order storm uh, trooper to the storm trooper to the clone trooper. Yep. Like the the fade to each of the three of them. Um, so hints at the three different eras that you're going to play in. Um, there's definitely some, you know, you there's a scene with the Millennium Falcon and X wings, and it sounds like Poe's voice. You know, commanding your squad as you're, you know, going to attack some uh, some star destroyer or something like that, flying to an asteroid field. Um, we know our friend Therese is going to freak out because there's a lot of Darth Maul in this. Yes, one. yep. And um, he's he's taking out she some loves her and some stuff. Indeed. Um, what's really interesting to me is after you get through a lot of like the action and everything, and the Battlefront Two logo comes up, then at the end there's tacked on some of the character things and some of the story stuff and and uh it's the lead character whose name i do not know um who i guess leads the inferno squadron Iden versio i believe her name is and she's yes she's receiving her orders and there's this character that is in this red suit with like a mysterio looking head that is from the shattered empire comic and from aftermath empire's end okay who is that supposed to be in that thing it's there are a number of droids that Palpatine has programmed with special oh, okay. messages See, and instructions. See, I thought that looked like I thought that looked and like Palpatine's head. And he has head. sent out to specific people, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, an M- 
Empire's End, it's, uh, you know, it's, um, why can't I think of the Grand Admiral? Uh, Ray? Rax. Gallius Rax, no. yeah. Yeah, Gallius Rax. Is got, he's got one of those droids with him at one point in the book. And uh, certainly, in, Shattered Empire was the first time that we'd seen it. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah, that was cool to see that in the game, too. Yeah. Because I just think it's visually kind of cool looking. It is amazing looking. It's and a, it's a cool way of keeping the Emperor around, yep. too, without the Emperor actually being around. Yeah. So, Battlefront 2, coming for all you gamers. I, like I say, I don't really game, but I know uh, there's a book. There's and a, our tie-in book, Inferno Squad, will be out July 25th. So, there you go. That's what I was about to bring up, is the uh, is the tie-in book, Inferno Squad, that uh, Delray is putting out. And... Um, and it ties right into Battlefront 2. So pick that up. Pick that up. There was something else. Oh, yes, this uh, whole Filoni situation. And, uh, <laughs> this is this is because I like to poke the bear a little bit. <laughs> um, so if any of you listen to our uh, Disney Vault Talk Rebel Yell post-celebration episode where we were talking about the stuff for uh, next season that they kind of teased us with. There was discussion uh, amongst the whole group of us about whether Ahsoka was reincarnated in the Space Wolf. Mm -hmm. And if I remember correctly, I think uh, myself, Teresa, Aaron, we were all like, nah. And you were the one that was kind of like, well, maybe... Yeah, I was just like, well, maybe look at the markings, look at the connection that's being made, all this fun. I was just having fun with it, you know. And like, I, I don't, I never liked the theory, which is kind of like I'd have to go back and listen to hear what I said because I never liked the theory that that Ahsoka was the wolf. And so, for me to be championing that idea, um, it that by the way, championing is a hard word to say. It is a hard word um, to say. Oh. Almost as hard as Michonne's real name. That's right. So if <laughs> you're Riri, um, as uh, anyhow, as we, as I, for me to be doing that, I had to be just kind of playing devil's advocate. Had to be. Well, any, anyway, uh, as part of Dave Filoni's birthday this week, he tweeted out uh, an original image that he drew of uh, some of the the uh kind of create of a wolf and ahsoka and the and owl like creature yeah. yeah and uh he had little captions pointing to each one and <laughs> to uh you know to so ahsoka it said not, not the, the wolf. wolf yeah not the wolf but now that so doesn't pretty much confirming that this rumor that had been floating around that she was going to be the space wolf is is bubkiss yeah but you know what uh, look and i'm i'm okay with feloni can tell people whatever he wants to but and and, and between him and pablo just kind of shutting down all these fan theories all the time i mean that's something that would have come out in the series right you know uh, that the, the wolf's not ahsoka and so i would have just let it play out and let people kind of have their speculation and stuff you just want it to still be alive. No. I Listen, here's what well, let me tell you this. Here's what I'm going to say right now. The wolf is Snoke. You're like those guys in that other show that uh, keep trying to connect Plagueis' staff with Ray. Oh, really? So, People yeah. doing that? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's I, like, let it go already. Uh, look, all I'm going to say is, is the wolf is Snoke. 
He's gonna find him. He's gonna find him some some sweet gold member clothes, and he's gonna be Snoke. Now that would have been really interesting if he had given the the, the animals names and just named the the wolf Snoke. Snoke. <laughs> oh my gosh! The other Talk thing, the other thing I'll say about this, the other thing I say about this is he says Ahsoka's not the wolf. He doesn't say she's not the owl. Oh no 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 no! I'm not gonna let you start that. Owl Soka hashtag Owl Soka. You're gonna start a sitcom storm with that. <laughs> Owl Soka. Not That's, happening. Yeah, it is. We're so make anyway, it I just saw that and immediately I thought of mm-hmm. you and, and just, I'm like, all right, we got to have a little bit of fun with this. Yes, sir. The the so, owl is Ahsoka. Thank you for clear, yeah. clearing that up for us, Ayers. And that comes from a from an employee of Del Rey. Everyone, you can say that you know for no, sure now. No, 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 <laughs> no. Don't even go there. Go to your blogs and stuff. And no, put, stop. <laughs> stop. Seriously. That's not funny. Oh, Ayers got serious all of a sudden. It's not funny. It's not funny at all, guys. Don't do that. Don't get no. Ayers in trouble. Don't oh, get me fired. Don't get don't get Ayers fired. So, <laughs> all right, but don't you can, even joke. You can go to your blogs and everything and say Steve said it's Al Soka, and that Ayers <laughs> and that Ayers protested a bit too much. Um, Al Soka. Al Soka. Yeah. Al Soka. That's right. Hashtag Al Soka. Oh man. Um, <laughs> uh, this Get is me in a world of sitcom, man. There you go. This is going to be fun, though. We're going into Rebel season four in the fall. Will be a good time. So oh, I can't wait. Uh, and we've got those shorts starting up pretty soon, don't we? With the uh, the heroes of the force or the force of the uh, destiny. I, I, I believe so. Yeah. So be watching for those on the. Uh, I believe they're going to premiere on the Disney Channel YouTube page first. Huh. They're all going to be online, but something with Disney. Um, let me pull up the actual news, and I can tell you for sure. Because I thought it was sometime in June that they would be starting. Yeah, the Disney YouTube um, in July. So it'll be in July at some point. There'll be the first uh, shorts come on uh, the Disney YouTube. And then in the fall, they'll be doing a few extra shorts, and they're going to be putting them together in uh, in a couple of 30-minute episodes, I believe. So Cool. Yep. All right. Well, I think that's what we've got. I, I can't. It feels like there should have been something else, but I don't remember. But we'll, we'll figure it out as we go along. If it pops in my head, I'll be like, oh yeah. But before we do that, hey buddy, let's start popping the corn, man. the core so you pop it i'll pass it my friend we've got uh we're smack dab in the middle of summer blockbuster season and uh right here at the outset of june the beginning of june we've had a couple of movies come out we'll talk about wonder woman later on uh where we'll spoil it a little bit in our discussion as we've both seen it we'll be doing another discussion on wonder woman next week hopefully with Kristen and Teresa. Kristen from rock out loud Teresa from disney vault talk uh to get the ever-important female perspective, because Lord knows everyone's saying Steve needs to have some girls on to have the female perspective. <laughs> it's like, I haven't been a superhero fan for all my life. But anyhow. Um, 
so yeah, as Steve said, we'll save as we did with Guardians of the Galaxy. We'll save the Wonder Woman talk until the end of the show, so that if you haven't seen it yet, you can listen to the show and then just quit before we get to Wonder Woman. That and, way, we won't spoil it for you. And then uh, animated feature is an animated feature. Captain? Well, before before we dive into the movies, and I'm sorry I didn't put this in the oh, notes for you. I'm okay. going to spring this on. You're going to remember. I just after after our May show and we, we talked a lot about Alien Covenant mm-hmm. on, on the May show um, we got a lot of responses back from folks who actually went and saw it and really enjoyed it and and I love that I yeah. love that even though it's a movie that either Steve or myself may not be into except for that Kevin Spacey cat movie um, I love hearing that you guys are going to see the movies and enjoying them or giving us your thoughts on it please keep that up i i did feel felt a little down about it because i felt like i was a little too negative on the alien franchise and that the last thing in the world i want to do is discourage somebody from going to see a movie Mm -hmm. um that's not what we're here about we're here because we love movies because most of the things we talk about we love um and even if it's a movie that I may not be interested in, and quite honestly, my I've been thinking a lot about why I didn't go see Alien Covenant, and for me it was kind of two things. One, I felt like what we were seeing was just a rehash of what we had already seen. You know, the the same thing with the pod opening and the smart guy doing the dumb thing and sticking his head over it, and getting the face hugger stuck on him and stuff like. I, I kind of wish that they had shown us that they were going to do things a little bit differently. And in the wake of movies like The Martian and Hidden Figures where, you know, these great stories about really smart people, here we had a ship of, I'm supposing, really smart people. I mean, they're being sent to colonize a new world, so they got to have some intelligence. Doing really dumb things, and I would have liked to have seen them doing smart things. Um at least in the trailers, show me that you're mixing it up a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the second thing was, is I'm just really not in the mood to see these aliens just rip through people right now. Right. Um, and, and just, you know, shelling out the $10, $15 in the theater to see something busting out of somebody's back or chest or I just, I don't know. That just kind of discouraged me from going to see it. Um, but I love hearing the feedback from those of you who did go to see it and enjoyed it. It's definitely one I'm going to check out when it hits on demand or Netflix or cable or whatever. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't want us to discourage you from going to see a movie. You know, if it was something that was on your radar and I might say something negative about it, I hope that that's not going to discourage you from going to see it. So that, that was kind of all. I. So did these people reach out to you on Twitter or some such? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I saw some tweets, like people oh. tweeting to us after they listened to the show, like, hey, you know, I went and saw it, and I really dug it. It was a decent movie. I must have missed stuff. those tweets. So. I must have missed those tweets, because I got news for you. If I don't like it, look, you don't have, your life doesn't have to be based on our on our opinions, ladies and gentlemen. Except with Kevin Spacey cat movies. What is the Do Kevin Spacey? Do not go see Kevin Spacey oh, cat yeah. movies. Oh, yeah, don't go see it. <laughs> Listen, I was on a Star Wars 40th anniversary high, so um, here's a tweet I did see. I, I saw that uh, that Adam Bray listened to us on Geek Out Loud, 
with and I was like, All right, fantastic. So that's what I saw on the Twitter. Love Adam, he's such a great yeah. guy. Um and then and then someone asked if I ever did a whole show on Rocky. To which I said, Of course I did. Of course I did. But of course you have. Yes. Um so anyhow, we All right, we'll so talk let's about get into Wonder Woman. Our June movies. Yeah, Captain Underpants. The epic first movie. So this opened last Friday. Mm-hmm. It's been out for about a week. This is fun family fair. It's based on some hit children's books. I know my nephews read the Captain Underpants books. Uh, two fourth graders, voiced by Kevin Hart and Thomas Middleditch, hypnotized their principal, voiced by Ed Helms, in order to transform him into Captain Underpants, the superhero from their homemade comic book. The trio soon battle a new teacher at their school, Nick Kroll, who's secretly a mad scientist. Um, the movie is adapted from the children's novels by Dav Pilkey and also features the voices of Jordan Peele and Kristen Schaal. So, I mean, just cast alone is amazing yeah. on this. Yeah. Is now is um, this so your your nephews are really into the Captain Underpants? Not, I mean they're older now, right. so they've kind of even the eight year old. I asked if he wanted to see it, and he he's kind of passed his Captain Underpants. Oh stage. wow, okay. Um, but when they were younger, I know that uh, a particular. I believe Ethan read some of the Captain Underpants books. Hmm. Um. And it's been a big series. There's a number of the books. And, you know, the movie I saw, good reviews on it. Yeah. It was a good family film. So. Well, yeah, you know, I know it's out there and, and, uh, and, and it's playing around. It's not something I would necessarily go see. Um, I, I wasn't even aware of this thing. It's a. I'm surprised that your eight-year-old nephew's not into it. Uh, I was to a little surprised, it. too. But, uh, you know, he's he's an older soul okay well because like all i know is like i didn't have captain underpants as a child but if they would have made a you know a a big budget ramona quimby age eight movie i would have been there yeah you know if super fudge would have been coming to theaters i'd oh totally front and center son yeah (laughs) or encyclopedia brown oh yeah heck yeah how did they never do encyclopedia brown movies did they not have an encyclopedia brown tv show not that I recall. Oh, it's wow. possible. I don't remember it. They should have if they didn't. Um, but I know we've got some family folks who, uh, yeah. you know, folks with kids and stuff who listen to us. So I, I wanted to include that one on there. Now, there was a, there was a, a lesser known uh, series of books that I got into around middle school called The Three Detectives. They, it was I kind of a it was kind of an updated version of the Hardy Boys in a way. I say updated. Hmm. Um, they those Hardy Boys books are still out there. They just try to update the covers every yeah. few years. Yeah, these I don't know when these were originally written, but uh, they were three guys. Oh wow, I guess they weren't. Uh, well, no, that's not right. Let me come around here and see what's going on here. The Three Investigators, original series, Three Investigators book. Now, what is this? 1964. That's crazy. I thought they were a little more updated than that, but I guess not. And Alfred Hitchcock and the Three Investigators. It started as an Alfred Hitchcock thing with these boys. And then later on, by the time I was reading them, there was no Alfred Hitchcock. I mean, I guess I was more into the stuff from the 80s and and everything that was out. Um, But I would, yeah, these guys I were into. They lived in, they had a a hideout in... uh, 
in his dad's junkyard, which was really cool because they had secret tunnels and everything to this big RV that was out there under a bunch of oh, know, nice. scrap metal and stuff. But anyhow, um, you said Encyclopedia Brown, and that got my juices flowing there. Uh, yesterday, as of this recording, last night, uh, officially hitting theaters was The Mummy. Have you heard any um, any feedback on this movie at all? I was going to go see it. Yeah? Uh, all, all week long, I'm like, you know, maybe I'll go see The Mummy Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, particularly because then I could talk about it for the show this afternoon. But as the week wore on and just the headlines and stuff of the reviews that I saw for it, came across like it is just getting destroyed everywhere yeah um so i just i couldn't bring myself to to spend the money to go see it i I mean Um, if i can just be honest i feel like after brandon fraser's mummy um that this one felt like it had to go even bigger and i feel like you can only go so big with the mummy you know, because when it's when it's this entity that's controlling birds and sand and and weather and and immortality that, you know, if you don't have something wrapped in cloth coming at you to kill you, you you're not really a mummy at that point. You're more of a ghost, or right? A, or a god or a demigod of some sort. And um, so what is this? What do you think this? Do you think this bodes ill for the uh, dark universe? For the dark universe, yeah. yes. That's unfortunate. Yeah, if, because this this movie is essentially launching the dark universe. Mm-hmm. The, the thing that intrigued me about this wasn't necessarily the mummy. It was the Russell Crowe character and this, this, and he's playing uh, Dr. Jekyll. Oh, and, I didn't know that. And, and this group, this shield like group that he runs called Prodigium. Oh, wow. Somebody and, saw Van Helsing. And they are, Prodigium is this kind of secret organization that is responsible for controlling all of these kind of supernatural entities and monsters mm-hmm. and things like that. And so I'm like, okay, this could be kind of cool. You know, if they're gonna, if this is basically gonna be shielded with monsters, like I could get into this. Um, and so that's what intrigued me about this. And also, talked about this before i like tom cruise i like tom cruise movies this one looked like it was gonna have some cool stunts and everything in it there's the whole plane sequence that they've shown in the trailers Mm -hmm. and stuff that look kind of cool so that 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 was incentive for me to go see it also but you know unless i start seeing some like positive word of mouth from actual moviegoers in the next couple of days, mm-hmm. this is going to be something that's going to wait for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, I'm already there where it's going to wait for me. I just, I am. And, I, I, I'm just not. I would have read. You know what? I, I and this is silly. I like the idea of a shield-like agency that's kind of you know behind all this stuff and Russell Crowe being Doctor Jekyll and all. But I, I would like something a little smaller in scale when it comes to the Mummy and it comes to even like Dracula and Frankenstein's monster and all. Well, this other and that's stuff. the other thing that's intrigued me is you know they've they've been. And the lead up to this, the studio has been dropping. Well, we're talking to Angelina Jolie about Bride of Frankenstein, and we're talking to The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, about Wolfman. But we also are discussing that not all of the movies that we want to do in the dark universe have to be these big 
budget things, we, we'd like to do some of them more in the style of the Roger Corman B movies. And I'm like, that would be awesome. Yeah, yes, that's, I, I think that's, that. like, I think that's the way a, you need to go. Budget B movie, like creature from the black lagoon or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Like mix it up, kind of do what Marvel's doing. And you know, each film has its own tone and style and stuff could be really cool. But I just fear that if, uh, if this if the mummy tanks that you know because they they were supposed to start this dark universe a couple years ago with that dracula movie Mm -hmm. um and that did nothing i mean that no that didn't even hit anybody's i mean it did so bad i can't even remember the name of the movie Uh, um that was supposed to restart the universal monster movie so this is them trying it again going big budget throwing tom cruise into it making it a big summer thing and if this doesn't work i just think that their their monster universe is just dead in the water yeah and and like i say that's why i feel like if they had gone smaller from the get-go i mean the idea of like b-budget style movies or b-style movies um doing doing those kinds of things and you could actually disguise a big budget movie as a low budget film in a way, you know, like you could do, right. You know, it, it's just about being creative. And instead it seems like they're just trying to go straight forward to the big set pieces and the, you know, make your jaw drop at all the destruction. I'm like, how about, you know, let's go a little bit more cerebral on some of this stuff, because I think that that's where even those black and white movies were a little more successful. They were successful yeah. because of the makeup employed and the costuming, and and, and then you know, and you, and it depended on a lot of people's imagination to fill in some blanks here and there. And I really do think that you know there there's something cool there. I think there's a cool factor of seeing Dracula crossed over with the Mummy, crossed over with the Wolfman, crossed over with Frankenstein's monster. Drop a little Jekyll and Hyde, Invisible Man in there. You know, you're kind of back to that ex- League of Extraordinary Gentlemen concept of Alan Moore. Or as I said, even the Van Helsing thing where he had him a team of, you know, monsters that was helping him out. And neither one of those movies really took off with fans or with moviegoers. But the concept is so intriguing. I think people really want to see that. And I completely agree with you. And I, you, they still could have done that with Tom Cruise and Russell Crowe. In. Yes. You, know, yes. You, you still could have had your A-list movie stars in this thing. Don't have to spend all the money. You don't need... like. Once again, we have this crazy visual effect where it's just everything being turned to dust or consumed by dust or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, we talked about this with the X-Men movies and with some of the other recent, you know, big budget movies. These effects are just kind of ludicrous. Like Jaws was so – part of the reason Jaws was so awesome and scary was you never saw the freaking shark. Alien was awesome and scary because you never saw the freaking alien. You know, we don't need to see like these huge, crazy CGI like creatures. I thought the the new Godzilla movie a couple of years ago worked really well. That they just kept teasing us with little bits of him, little bits of him until the very end and the big fight sequence at the end, and then you get him full on. But like, you never really got enough of him early on, and I loved that. Yeah, like it had me glued to the screen. Like I want to see more. I, I kind of there were there it, I think I think with Godzilla it went a little too far on that on that um, like when they're <laughs> when they're going down into the bunker and behind them you see Godzilla and the beast about to tie up and then the door shuts 
I think that was a little. No, but I love that. I oh, love everyone that. in the. It was awesome. But I heard so frustrating. I heard people in the theater go, "What? Come on!" And <laughs> I just remember, like, yeah, maybe that was a little too much hiding, Gareth. Um, but you but know, the I, interesting thing there was Gareth's first movie, a movie called Monsters. Right. It was. It, it was. It was you, crazy low budget, and he just didn't have the money to right. show us the monsters. Right. It utilized that same thing. Something else that's utilized that. In, in a certain way, uh, it kind of is um, split. That which I haven't that's seen. That's been all yet. the rage. I know you're on me to see oh. that. And I will. Hey, buddy, you need to see that movie. If if for no other reason than James McAvoy's performance is just outstanding. Okay. Um, but but there's there's this thing hinted at completely all the way through, and um, and and it doesn't really come to fruition until the very very end. And and even then, it's just in the shadow for the most part. So. Okay. It's it's the same kind of concept, and I really do feel like they've gone too big budget with the mummy. Not it worked for the Brandon Fraser thing because it was in a time still when the concept was interesting and fresh, and you know what a neat take on the mummy. But here was an opportunity to do not a not a full one eighty, but a bit of a reversal and go back yep. in the other direction and and do something as equally as fresh, even though you're kind of revisiting maybe what had been done before, but. Anyhow, uh, also last night, our our boy Joel Egerton. Um, I think this one is going to have some legs. It I think comes one, at night. I think this is one that people are going to be talking about throughout the summer. This looks really cool. Um, it comes at night. Uh, a married couple played by Joel Egerton and Carmen Ejigo and their teenage son, Kelvin Harrison, isolate themselves from the rest of humanity when a mysterious plague throws civilization into chaos. But their secluded existence is threatened when a young family seeks shelter with them. Um, it's written and directed by a gentleman named Trey Edward Schultz. Um, he's only got uh, one or two small pictures mm -hmm. on, his, uh, on his IMDb. But this just looks... This looks like it's a little bit walking dead in that, you know, they're on their own isolated. It looks like society is completely shut down a little bit. 28 days later, a little, it just looks creepy and cool. And it's not really a zombie right. thing, but there is like a kind of horror element to how this, this virus affects people. Um, it just looks like a really tense thriller, and I almost went and saw this today. Yeah, um, I didn't because I'd probably have nightmares for like a week or They're, two. Right. These are the kind of movies exactly. that freak me out. <laughs> but like the trailers are just really gripping, and I really want to see this. So I might just break down at some point and take the nephews because I really think this is something that's in their wheelhouse mm -hmm. that they would love. Um. And it's the the reviews have been uh, been solid for it. The word of mouth seems to be pretty strong for it. Yeah, I, that's the thing is this seems to be the one coming out of this weekend that's getting the good press, so to speak. And um, and, and you know, a lot of times that's what happens when you get these lower budget things. And 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 I've been kind of saying this. I think that there's going to be a trend in audiences to kind of circle back to some of these things that are more story-based a little, little bit more you know with this being a suspense thriller you know almost a horror kind of thing that you can almost never go wrong and if you've got a decent story come on you know people love people yeah. 
People love to be scared, they say. Uh, and speaking of well, which... The, the one thing that, as I was putting the June list together, you know, with May, it was a lot of the same old, same old. Mm -hmm. Another Alien movie, another Pirates movie, just a lot of things, we, another Marvel movie, a yeah. lot of things that we were just seeing over and over. But as I was assembling this list, there's a lot of, if not exactly original maybe outside the box thinking things that it's, don't it's, feel familiar to us. It's an eclectic mix of movies coming out this month. Yeah. Uh, it, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water. Um, <laughs> next week, 47 meters down, this is Mandy Moore and Claire Holt and Matthew Modine. They're vacationing in Mexico. They're in a shark cage. The chain breaks, and they end up on the bottom of the ocean. They're great white sharks circling all over them. They have to figure out how to get back to the boat alive. Um, this is this is this this summer's the shallows. The, yes, yes, and this is also you know yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're one of these shark conservationists, you've got to you've got to be really frustrated last year and this year. It's like people, you can. This is not real. You can get you can survive these great whites. Like you, they don't look at you just simply as food. They, we can get <laughs> they them look away at you from you. Oh, that's a seal, and I'm going to take right, a bite out of it. Right. Well, oh. You don't taste like a seal. You're not my food. I'm going to swim on. But meanwhile, like, half your leg is gone and you're sure. bleeding out. But also, with with a situation like this, I guarantee you there are contingency plans so we can we can attract the great whites away. We can get yeah, them elsewhere. Yeah, or we're going to have a second rope on the cage so that yes. one rope breaks. <laughs> exactly like right. safety rope hanging. Yes, but exactly right. But at the same time, the concept of this is pretty simple and pretty clever and it's one of those things that they shot for cheap, mm -hmm. you know, and you can s describe what the movie is in one sentence. Yeah, exactly. Two girls go in shark cage, line breaks, cage drops to the bottom of the ocean, and they're stuck. Yep. That that's the movie. And and by the way, and we're gonna get to we're gonna get to your Transformers. Yeah. In a few minutes, and <laughs> I think you could write a book and still and not, still be not able tell to what's going what on. That movie is. <laughs> exactly. Well, I tell you this. Let me tell you what else is going to happen this summer. All these tourist spots that really bank on these shark cage tours and everything, they're going they're going to be having a hard summer. This is just this especially with yeah. that shot in the cage where the girl's climbing up and she's almost there and here comes the shark right at it and you can see her leg actually go into the shark. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh Cars 3 also next weekend our friend Therese is really excited about this. Um we've... there's a great there's a great new trailer for it that uses that song The Limit. mm Mhm. Take it to the limit yeah. one more time. That's a, that is a fantastic trailer. The song works perfectly. Oh wow! I've not the seen trailer. that. Okay. I don't know if it's necessarily a trailer. It's a. It's I've seen on TV. It's an ad that they're running. Um, but it worked really well. Look, I'm gonna go see this. Oh yeah, you you're know, in. Car, Cars One is one of my favorite Pixar movies. So, Cars 2 is my least favorite Pixar mm -hmm. movie, but I'm going to go see Cars 3. All right. Well, I will definitely be there next weekend. For I'll this. probably I'll probably catch it on the video. Uh, also next week, Once Upon a Time in Venice. A dog kid This is taken with a dog? Basically, yeah. Wow. Bruce Willis. Uh, so you want to read the description? Yeah, when his beloved dog Buddy is taken by a gang of notorious criminals, Los Angeles private investigator steve ford as played by bruce willis faces one tough situation after another as he tries to get his faithful canine back in time find ford finds himself rather 
uh, doing the gang's bidding as he is chased by a loan shark, a pair of ruthless Samoan brothers, and other shady characters. Jason Momoa, Cal Penn, and John Goodman star in this action comedy, which was written and directed by Mark and Rob Colin. It kind of looks like it's got a little sort of Elmore Leonard vibe to mm-hmm. it. Sounds you know, it's fun. Not just a, it's not just a straight-up action movie. It's right. got some comedy mixed in. Yeah, it sounds fun. Um, sounds a lot of fun. Look, I think it's it's going to open small. Sure. I, I think this is going to be more, you know, you're going to be watching it on On Demand in August. than yeah. going to see it in the theaters next I, weekend. But I'm like, this actually looks like a good Bruce Willis movie. Yeah, unfortunately, um, I think that what you're going to have happen is this is this action comedy is going to be overshadowed by um, Rough Night. Well, because or, Rough Rough Night, like the one thing that it really has going for it is that moment that we've all experienced. You killing a stripper? A, strip, a stripper dies on you while giving you a lap dance. <laughs> you well, know, I know it's happened to you, Steve. It's yeah. happened to me. It's probably happened to most of the Gulliver's listeners, whether they're male or female. Like it's something that we just all immediately identify with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is uh, it looks like Hangover with girls in a way. Yeah, basically, you know, throw in a dead stripper, a dead male stripper, and um, and and I think you've got Hangover with the girls. Um, but the girls are Scarlett Johansson, Kate McKinnon, Jillian Bell, uh, Alana Glazer, Zoe Kravitz. I mean, that's some really funny ladies. In indeed, there. indeed. So, um, this is not one I'll be going to see. I mean that's just that's how that's how it rolls. And I sent you I didn't send you the R band trailer for it. No. I sent you the clean trailer. I've yeah, I mean I saw I forget how I, I I stumbled into a trailer for it the other day and I'm like, "No, it was it played before Wonder Woman. The trailer played before Wonder Woman for it. I saw a trailer." Uh, okay. Yeah, it's it's a wild bachelorette party that yeah, goes wrong. It goes way wrong. Uh Wednesday, June 21st, Transformers the last night. This is the fifth outing uh from Michael Bay with this uh property. And uh, Mark Wahlberg, Anthony Hopkins, Josh Duhamel is coming back for this. Um, giant robots are all going to be there. Uh, it, I, I have no idea what's going on. Uh, I, 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 I want to know what dirty laundry they have on Tony Hopkins to get him to do this movie. I think they just were able to write him a check big enough. I think they threatened to take his Oscar away. Yeah, they. well, something. <laughs> look, I love the Transformers. I, we've made that very clear. I actually enjoyed Age of Extinction. <laughs> So oh. do I. I just don't like the Transformers movies. And I've I've enjoyed the Transformers movies, is what I'm saying. And and you know even especially the first three, the fourth one I enjoyed. Um, I, I feel like they took a turn that I wasn't really fond of with the fourth one. But you know I'm willing to ride it out. Well, here, looking at these trailers, like there's not a straightforward. I don't understand what's going on. And if the movie is as convoluted <sighs> as the trailers. We're in trouble. And I don't mean to be I, negative. I will be here to watch this movie. I will go to a theater and watch this movie. Um, I Well, I'm going to a theater just to see what a horrible train wreck this is going to be. I, I have to see this. I have to see how bad this is going to be. I think this is going to be the worst movie of the year. Oh, wow. Oh, then we've definitely got to get together and talk about it once it's all said and done because I think uh, it has potential to really surprise and be great. But I have to say I'm incredibly disappointed right now because I was really hoping that you were going to be able to tell me what this movie was about. I don't think anybody can. <laughs> I don't think anybody can. Um, I mean, what, one second. 
uh, well, the last movie ended with Optimus Prime all of a sudden being a rocket and flying into space. Which right. was, what? He was and going then, to find the, the trailers creators. For this one, we see him dead floating in space. Yes. Then we see him alive again, but now he's a bad guy and he's fighting Bumblebee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then there's a three-headed dragon robot. Then they're fighting King Arthur and his knights. Right. It's what is going and then Tony Hopkins is spewing some nonsense about why they're really here. Well, and Hot Rod is a black Lamborghini. Here's here's the synopsis. Humans are at war with the Transformers, and Optimus Prime is gone. The key to saving the future lies buried in the secrets of the past and the hidden history of the Transformers on Earth. Now it's up to the unlikely alliance of Cade Yeager, that's Mark Wahlberg, Bumblebee, an English Lord, as played by Anthony Hopkins, and an Oxford professor, Laura Haddock, to save the world. There is the synopsis. Now, when you put that synopsis up to the imagery we've been given of Optimus Prime trying to kill Bumblebee, of what looks maybe Unicron tearing up the Earth and the Moon. Uh, Grimlock barfing out a car in yes. a junkyard. Yep, yep. So when you get... Nothing that we've seen really fits that except the Optimus Prime is gone, but we know Optimus Prime is coming back. So yeah. yeah, this is I'm I'm I got to tell you I'm intrigued by this movie. I'm looking forward to it because it's Transformers and um and look I I'll be the first to tell you that I don't I don't hold a lot of hope for this movie. I'm going in with low expectations. I'm going in with super high expect expectations. I can't wait to see how horrible this movie is going to be. <laughs> All like, I'm going to say I really think that. Like, every film class next semester should be teaching this movie. Like, this movie, every scene in this movie is everything that you should not do in writing or directing or creating a movie. Well, if this movie is as bad as I expect it to be, and I hate to go into anything thinking it's going to be bad. I want to like it. I really do. But if this movie is as bad as I expect it to be, then there's no reason, and with Brian Austin Green listeners will understand this, there's no reason that we can't get Bear Nami made. And for those uh, non-bag listeners, you want to tell us what Bear Nami is? Bear Nami is the brainchild of Brian Austin Green, <laughs> where it is a tsunami with bears. It's a tsunami okay. filled with bears. and So it's basically a tidal wave of bears that just hits your city. Yes. They, well, because, because the first one will be polar bears, because right. we're tying it into uh, climate change and stuff, it's going to be happening up around Nova Scotia. So uh, there'll be all the polar bears on their little tiny blocks of ice exactly. that have melted down that'll get caught up in the tidal wave. You, hey, you're you're right there with me. You see this. You want to help me all write right. it? I do. Okay. I do. Look, if we can get like 112 Sharknado movies, there's no reason this we is, can't get a Bear Nami movie. This has been my point all along. And you don't think we'll cross over Bear Nami and Sharknado? Come on. Well, and Brian Austin Green's buddy uh, from... 90210 is in all those Sharknado I know. movies, and so that, he can't put them together with the producers to get Bear Nami going? Hey. Get his own franchise? We're working on it, but Brian doesn't want to be in the movie. Oh, he's got to be in the movie. He just wants to sit back and, and get the sweet royal. He wants to get the no, sweet... he's got to uh, be in the movie. He's a great actor. I know. Listen. Don't tell me. Tweet tweet him. Tell him. He's on he Instagram. He was freaking awesome on the Sarah Connor series. Yeah, he was. That's how we met him. Um, 
So uh, M Dunn in chat talking about Transformers asked if this is supposed to be the beginning of the Hasbro shared universe. I had I have that theory based on some of the imagery we've seen, but what I'm being told is no, it's not. No, because I don't believe the Transformers are part of that shared universe. Even though they should be. I, I think that the idea was that the Transformers and G.I. Joe would not be part of that shared universe, that it would be like Mask and some of the other stuff. Which is stupid. Um, yeah, but not, I, actually I think that Transformers might be the end of the shared universe, just like the Mummy might be the end of the Dark Universe. Right. Uh, then on that Friday, the 23rd, The Beguiled is a Civil War drama uh, with Colin Farrell. Well, not just with Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell, Nicole Kidman, Al Fanning, Kirsten Dunst, uh, directed by Sofia Coppola. This is um, this is going to be a movie that is, I think is going to get a lot of talk through the rest of the year. Oh, yeah? You think it's Oscar material? I think it very well could be. Sofia Coppola is... Very well respected in the kind of critical community. I mean, come on, she's the daughter of Francis Ford Coppola. That mm -hmm. doesn't hurt. But uh, this movie has been, I mean, the cast is solid. It's something completely different from everything else out there. Just, it's not just simply a Civil War movie. Civil War is where this is set. Um, what it looks like is that Colin Farrell plays a Union soldier who is taken in, uh, you know, he's found injured on a plantation down south, and it's all the women who are in the plantation house. The men are off at war. And they bring him in, they heal him up. I do declare it's a soldier. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> while he's in there, it looks like... And what a handsome you know, man. He starts to... You know the, the the younger girls when I say younger like you know in their their early 20s late teens ish you know they are kind of intrigued by this guy he maybe starts to uh, have a like an attraction with one of them or whatever and then things go bad and mm -hmm. they go bad for him yeah because all of a sudden it's oh sitcom I'm stuck in this house with these now <laughs> like five vengeful women and <laughs> it kind of reminded me a little bit of Misery. Maybe takes on a Misery kind oh, of vibe. Oh, wow. Um, you know, the trailer ends with, you don't see him, but him screaming like, what have you vengeful bees done to me? Mm. Kind of thing. Um, so it, this definitely looks, <coughs> definitely looks really intriguing. It might be something that sort of in the same vein as Get Out had mm -hmm. earlier like a little bit of a social conscious to it you know with a little bit of a kind of thriller aspect to it and stuff a really strong cast um strong female director which you know we know is is really uh a thing right now um i think that this could be uh this could be one of those summer movies that has legs and that has a lot of people talking about it I'm down. Uh, it'll be. Uh, this seems like a Saturday afternoon movie to me, like when I'm sitting at home and nothing else is going on, though. Mm -hmm. uh, this is one of those. I feel like it may be one of those you end up getting sucked into. Sounds like. I've never seen the original starring Clint Eastwood, by the way. I haven't either. I didn't know that there was an original mm -hmm. starring Clint. I want to poke around and see if it's on Netflix. I'd like to see that. This is one. Uh, and then coming up on uh, Wednesday, the 28th, this is one that I'm going to have to really be careful 
that I don't offend people. Uh, baby driver. A partially deaf getaway driver uh, gets caught up in a botched heist. <laughs> it's an action comedy, and it's Edgar Wright directing. Um, why is he got to go partially deaf? Is there a speech impediment involved? I've not watched this trailer. Um, oh, dude, you kind of see this just... While I'm talking, pop the tra- hit the link and pop the trailer on. This is definitely... This movie's all about music and... You know, his his driving, it looks like it's all timed out to, like, songs that he listens to. Stuff, the soundtrack is going to be really strong on this. The cast is ridiculous. Um, Kevin, Lily James, Kevin Spacey, Jamie Foxx, John Berntroll, John Hamm, Ansel Ed- Elgort. Um, this looks really cool. A lot of style and substance, a lot of kind of... Reminds me a little bit of uh, Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs, but then throw in some Fast and the Furious vibe to it. Uh, this looks really cool. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It looks very, very cool. Um, you know, not just the good driving, but if there's going to be a soundtrack element to it that plays in, that's really cool as well. And here you go. So you just starting your day, or did you just get off? They call, I go, you know. So what is it you do? I'm a driver. Oh, like a chauffeur. Anyone I'd know? I hope not. What is your name? Baby. Your name's Baby. B-A-B-Y, Baby. That looks pretty cool, man. I gotta tell you straight up. This is definitely one I'm going to see in the theater. Yep, yep. Um, also, that weekend, Despicable Me 3. Uh, we're not done yet with that, huh? Nope. They're kind of going back to their uh, back to the basics with this one. Uh, Gru, who's voiced by Steve Carell, he uh, is going back to a life of crime. Um, and it's got uh, Trey Parker plays uh, the new bad guy Balthasar Brat. Um, you know, look, I love, I love Despicable Me One. I like Despicable Me Two. Was hopeful for Minions and wasn't crazy about it, but you know, as a guy who's dressed as a minion for a couple years at Halloween, I'm <laughs> definitely gonna go see this. So. I hear you. All right. Love me, my minions. And then finally, uh, uh, The House. Um, this is Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler. Wow. Who they? This whole story is they blow their daughter, daughter's college fund to start an illegal casino in their basement to recoup the losses. All right. Yeah. As seen in the trailer, Will Ferrell thinks they have $401,000 in their savings account uh, because he mistakes 401 k Gotcha. For four hundred and one thousand dollars. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, this just looks like the usual Will Ferrell, Amy Poehler kind of fun stuff. So. Oh man. All right. Well, let's uh, let's look back at some of these um, milestone anniversaries for some movies. Forty years ago this month in June nineteen seventy seven, A Bridge Too Far. Now, what is A Bridge Too Far? Why do I not? A know? Bridge Too Far is it's a World War Two movie. Mm-hmm. Um that tells the story of Operation Market Garden, which was the Allies, uh, 
the Allies invading Belgium as an attempt to get to Germany faster. Um, the the mission was a, a huge failure. Um, and you know anybody who has seen uh, anybody who's seen Band of Brothers, the the Market Garden uh, ep- episode is like the third or fourth episode in the series, but. This was back in the day where these World War II movies, just the cast alone is insane. Sean Connery, Ryan O'Neill, Michael Caine, Lawrence Olivier. Wow. Um, let me scroll down through here. Gene Hackman. Um, it's just like an insane, insane list of people in this. Robert Redford's in this. Anthony Hopkins is in this. James Caan is in it. <coughs> It's just one of those big epic World War II movies that still really holds up today. Maximilian Schell, um, you know, it, this was the kind of thing that Hollywood did really. Elliot Gould did really well back then. Um, these big, huge, epic, uh, epic movies with like insane casts. Um, so this is definite. If you're into World War II movies and with uh, you know, with Dunkirk coming next summer and stuff, this is definitely one to look for and check out. Um, it's definitely a good one. So, and I love these World War II movies, so that's why I put it on the list. Okay. Um, what about? Uh, let's see what else we got here. Because some of these I think you just put for my sake. Uh, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> also because I mean, look, we're talking about June 1977, so 40 years ago. Right. You know, I was seven years old. These were these next few movies. These were the movies that we went to see at the theater. <clears throat> so the rescuers, and if you want to hear me and Teresa talk about the rescuers, check out the archives of Disney Vault Talk. Um, not uh, not the greatest, but uh, Bob Newhart voiced a character in that, and uh, so people will love that. For the love of Benji, <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't. I, I don't remember this particular one, but I just remember going to see Benji movies as a kid. Oh man, they were all the rage back in the seventies and eighties. Yeah, you know. And if 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 you did, if it wasn't your parents that took you, it was the local theater that had the Saturday mornings like kids only showings yep. for like a buck, where yes. your parents would drop you off at like ten o'clock in the morning and you would see like a different movie every week and there was always a Benji movie mm-hmm. in there. So weird to think that dog is dead. Herbie goes to Monte Carlo. Again, same thing. <laughs> the Her- if it wasn't a Benji movie you were seeing, it was a Herbie movie you were seeing. I never want you to give me crap about an Ernest movie again. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Herbie was Disney. I know, I know, but man, the, you know, after you get past those original one or two I think Herbie Goes Bananas is, kind of, is where Herbie kind of they're, peaked. They're basically all the same. Exactly. That's true. That's true. Then five years later, <laughs> 35 years ago in 1982, here's some big dogs. Yes. You want to talk about the walking dogs of this list. Uh, Poltergeist. They're here. I have the a confession. TV people. I have a confession. I've never seen Poltergeist. Really? Scared to death to now at this age. Like, even as somebody who doesn't like horror movies mm-hmm. and stuff, like, I've seen Poltergeist a number of times. Yeah. Um, I have a confession to make. Go for it. Because Poltergeist and E.T., we're going to get to that one in a second, both yeah. came out the same month. I confused them. I thought E.T. Really? was Poltergeist and Poltergeist was E.T. Were they kind of birthed out of the same idea? 
they were both Spielberg produced Poltergeist, right. even though it was T- Toby Hooper who directed it. Right. Spielberg produced it, and with two movies coming out that month, like I just remember seeing. I remember reading an article in Time Magazine that my parents gave me just because there was an article about Steven Spielberg mm-hmm. and you know the two movies he had coming out, and I had just I mistook them in my head. So I was like, I want to go see Poltergeist. And <clears throat> thankfully, my parents realized that I had mistaken them and took me to see the right one. It wasn't until years later that I saw Poltergeist. Okay. Uh, I, I'm just, this I'm trying next to, one is on here for you, Steve. Well, I'm trying to think, to go back to the E.T. thing. There's some secret origin of E.T. where it was supposed to be more of a horror type thing originally. And uh, the lady who wrote the script that passed, I think she passed last year, the past couple of years, um, Melissa Matheson yeah. was Harrison Ford's wife. Right. She punched it up and made it something really special. Uh, the most boring, one of the most boring movies ever made by man, Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan, 35 years ago this month. I wish that I could send my my meme that I still have for you. It's just, Steve! <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite Trek movie. Really? This was, I Even saw more than four? Oh, yeah. I oh, saw this on. in the theater. My dad took me to see this one. I'd never seen any Trek before. I was just blown away by this. I thought it was the coolest thing. I love this movie. I've seen this movie easily over 100 times. If it's on, I have to watch it. So good. So, so good. And that's why it makes me sad when I hear you call it the most boringest thing ever. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we mentioned E.T., which is... I'm sorry, that... How long was E.T. the big dog running as far as, like, just box office? It would be until Jurassic Park, wouldn't it? I think so, yeah. Uh, Blade Runner. Here's another confession. I I don't think I've ever seen Blade Runner all the way through. Really? Yeah. This yeah. was the first R-rated movie that I saw in the Oh, theater. wow. Nice. My dad took me to see this because it had Harrison Ford in it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, Dad, I want to go see the movie with Han Solo in it, but with the flying cars. So he broke me down and, and took me. And I remember being completely freaked out at the scene where the guy's eyes get popped out. That was Total Recall, wasn't that, it? No, no, this, that was this one, too. There's a scene where um, I think it's Rucker Howard's character like comes up behind kind of the, the guy who created the replicants. And, you know, he puts his, he's standing behind him and he puts his, his hands around him and he you don't actually see i don't remember seeing the eyes get poked out but you know they get popped out and that creeped me out <coughs> um so then we've got is this john carpenter's the thing in yes. 1982 yeah. and this is a remake of the original the thing which was still this remake was freaking amazing yeah this is this is one of those standards by which a lot of things are judged they even remade this remake right yes or did yeah. they prequelize this remake? Uh, they did something with yeah. it that wasn't as strong. Right. But the Petri dish scene in this is one of the most suspenseful scenes I've ever seen. And again, a movie I've never watched. I know. And it had some, it had some really groundbreaking creature effects at the time too. The dogs who had like, kind of transformed and stuff. Like the effects were pretty groundbreaking. I'm sorry. I'm trying to do two things at once here. Um, yeah, this was this. Was, I remember this being kind of one of those transform. Of course, this whole era, right here in these early '80s, late '70s, were when 
the special effects were being all these movies were breaking new ground yep yep well then 30 years ago 1987 you send one of they send one of yours to the hospital you send one of theirs to the morgue the enough un- of this running sitcom the <laughs> the untouchables that is Sean Connery and Kevin Costner, right? I'm not getting that confused with that. Yes, yes. That's, okay. This is the movie that Sean won his Oscar for. Yes, yeah, yeah. So this is the one, man, this starts out brutal. And this is the one that starts out with a bomb in the, like, the yes, storefront? The, the yes, the little girl. Hey, mister, you left your briefcase. Oh, man, yeah. Gee whiz, that's This whole tough. thing was brutal. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but so good. Mm-hmm. So, so good. Brian that's De Palma directing. And, and uh, Bob De Niro as Capone. Yes, yes, and the, the bat, whole, the baseball bat scene. Yep, yep, part of a team. Oh wow, that was yeah, that's a tense one. But also, uh, Predator. Thirty years ago this month, huh? Predator. Wow. This might be my favorite Schwarzenegger movie. Three words, four words. Get to the chopper. Get them to the chopper. Yep. I love the. I'm here. What are you waiting for? Do it. Kill me already. Do it. Take the bull by the horns. Carpe diem. Kill me. Kill me. Mm. Jesse the Body Ventura, Apollo Creed, all had parts in this movie. And then one Shane of my. Shane Black has a part in this movie. Yes, that's right. That's right. Uh, then one of my favorite yeah, I, movies. I got time to then one of my favorite movies that come out of 1987, Spaceballs. Oh, it's just, it's still on cable all the time. Love it. It's still so good. Love it. So funny. I mean, the stuff they did in this was just <coughs> so absurd. The part where they put the videotape in and like they fast forward. <laughs> what are we watching now? Everything that's happening now is happening now. <laughs> well, when did them become now? Well, go back to then. We can't. Why? We just passed then. What? Well, when will then be now? Soon. A hole, sir. He's an a hole. <laughs> I'm just surrounded by a holes. Keep firing. Um. Yes. Oh, so good. I love that movie so much. I might even go watch it I'm once half we're done. Man, half dog. I'm my own best friend. I'm my own best friend. What's your name? I'm Barf. Not in here, Mister. This is a Mercedes. <laughs> And even has the great alien moment at the end. Yes. Hello, John my baby. Hello, my honey. <laughs> Hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. Hello, Hello my right time frown. Yeah. Check, please. <laughs> <laughs> now, he has hinted that because of the new Star Wars trilogy, mm-hmm. that it might be time to do a new Spaceballs movie. Yeah, I've been seeing those kind of things. I don't think it'll happen. I don't think it's gonna. I, I just think he's he's too old. I was but, gonna say oh, I think I he's would, a little too old for it. I love it. Baseballs movie. Um, twenty five years ago, we found out what a disappointing sequel could be. Are you kidding me? Batman Returns. Oh, have you watched this lately? I. This is probably my favorite Batman movie. When was the last time you watched it? It was just on cable a couple months ago. Oh, wow. See, the last time, it didn't hold up to me. It oh, just, I think Michelle Pfeiffer absolutely. Well, now, wait a minute. You're, I'm She's talking about. Listen, I'm talking about as a whole piece. I still think it's. I still think it's more entertaining than any of the Christopher Nolan nonsense. Okay. 
Uh, mm. And certainly better than the the Joel Schumacher ones. I followed. like Batman Forever better than Batman Returns. With no. Two Face and the Riddler. Which one was Forever? Two Face and the Riddler. No. Val Kilmer. I liked it better than Returns. Now, listen, I can't talk about Batman and Robin very, very educatedly. I think I've only seen it once in 20 oh, years. Oh, it's absolute garbage. It's, uh Absolute, like, chill out. I tried to watch it um, one time uh, a, a year or so back just to just to see. Maybe it's so bad that it'll be good, and it was not. Like, it, it I is another watch one with Schwarzenegger and Jesse the Body in it, though. Is Jesse the Body in Batman for, in Robin? Yeah, he plays one of the the guards in um in arkham i didn't realize that yeah well 20 years ago oh my lanta okay the 20 years ago i just i have to preface these oh and that these are just two from the same actor in the same mm -hmm, month mm -hmm. two of his most ridiculous over-the-top movies yeah but come on Both okay in the same month first all face off i i can't I've, I've seen i saw face off one time when it was released i've not seen it since with he and travolta it's just so horrible yeah but now con air con air was fun con air is my jam <laughs> but it's it's fun because again this huge ridiculous cast of characters right right well the con air was was one of those movies that kind of defined what 90s action movies had become yes you know it was a picture of what the, the 90s big action movies had become but it also has one of the greatest lines in cinematic history when Which is what when john cusack looks at cameron poe and says well, what po. what are you gonna do and he turns around and says what do you think i'm gonna do i'm gonna save the fucking day The whole sequence in Vegas at the end with the plane crash yes. and then, then the fire engine and mm -hmm. he still brings that stupid stuffed rabbit to his daughter. Put the bunny <laughs> down. And and wait, doesn't Steve Buscemi's like crazy uh, child molester like get away at the end? Well, he's not a child molester. He's just a Hannibal Lecter-like killer. And it's yes, kind he of does. Implied that he's well, done some bad things. To when, kids. when when he's there with the child, I think the thing is they're afraid he's going to. You, you, the whole tension is supposed to be is he going to kill this little girl? Yeah. All right. So it, it's been a while since yeah. I've seen it. So and, and so yeah, the at the thing, end, but, at the end, as they say, "All right, does the roller feel lucky?" And he's like, "I do indeed." And he's rolling yeah, the dice. Yeah, and it's like this is the last guy of this whole group that you want running around wild. Yeah, but and he's, he's got. Kind of, you're supposed to be happy that he's, he's free. Because the whole scene where he didn't kill the little girl redeems him, and the rest of the time he's just uh, a trip because he's singing the whole world in his hands, and he's just delightfully crazy. But I'll tell you this. Um, when uh, the, 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 whole, the whole thing is just, you're right. It's over the top is the word for it, and it's so much fun. And but, tell me but, now, but, <laughs> how do I live without you? Yeah, and... Cameron Poe is he's a Cajun too, right? No, he's from Alabama. It, oh, it's the same thing. The problem is the problem is, I, is I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. I don't want to upset the goal of our audience. That Nick was, Cage Nick Cage has enough of a of a bit of a southern draw to his voice. Yeah, that that it worked. That he didn't have he put on extra. He didn't <laughs> have to put on extra. That was my whole point watching because being from the South 
and watching someone doing over the top like he's trying to be Forrest Gump on steroids because that greatest line ever I'm going to save the day is followed up by one of the worst lines in cinema ever when Bubba is dying and because he didn't get his insulin he's like I keep thinking maybe God don't exist and he goes, oh, that's oh. right, Bubba's in this. And he says, I'm going to show you God does exist. And then he takes <laughs> off to go to save the, the day. Oh, my God. Uh, and he's got that long hair. But but face off, just the whole premise yes, is so ridiculous. it's just ridiculous. They, they, they cut the guy's faces off and placed them on the other guy's face. Right. When when the really the question is, so why did you put – the one guy's face on the bad guy's face, why don't you just leave him faceless until the other guy got through doing what he needed to do to take out the... Like, it's a really messed up concept. And and how about the fact that physically, Nick Cage and John Travolta are nowhere near alike. Exactly. Exactly. So all you're going to do is swap their faces and all of a sudden Nick Cage's body is going to transform into John Travolta's to the point where Nick Cage, who is the bad guy... And has now got John Travolta's good guy face on, goes home and has sex with John Travolta's wife, and she can't tell the difference. To be fair, I've got to go watch this movie again. And it's directed by John Woo. This was That's right. after John Woo came over from Hong Kong, and they were trying to turn him into the next big action director. You know, he did Broken Arrow, and then he did this. So. There's probably a scene with doves flying in this somewhere. Of course there is. That I don't remember. Of course there is. Um, but the whole thing is just so ridiculous. Oh. Just hor- horrible. Can't wait to watch it again. Um, 15 years ago in 2002, this is hard to believe. The Born Identity, 15 years yeah. ago this month. That's crazy. Um, Matt Damon really, that was, what I know that you had Matt Damon prior to the born identity but this was like his real big breakout action role was it not am yeah, i wrong Matt on that? Damon before this was like goodwill hunting that's that's what he had going for him for the most part with those type of roles and then boom born identity comes out and it's like oh matt damon's ba he's like i'm going to show i'm going to show ben affleck god does exist um <laughs> also lilo and stitch which is a fantastic movie i love this movie and uh and and Teresa- love- Almighty, feel my temperature rising. Mm. Uh, Teresa and I also have talked about this on Disney Vault Talk. We encourage you to check that out. If I'd known you loved Lilo and Stitch so much, we'd have had you on. Yeah, you guys just keep doing all these movies with other people. Well, we didn't have anyone on for that one, I don't think. Oh, well, yeah. I didn't know that. It's Honestly, it's been forever since yeah. I've seen it, too. Uh, and then but my- it's one of my favorites, and I love the Lilo and Stitch stuff at Disney World, so... And then also 15 years ago this month, uh, this is one that I absolutely have only seen one time is Minority Report. Yeah, you know, I kind of went back and forth with putting this on here because it's not one that, I mean, I saw it. Yeah, but your was, man crush of Tom Cruise di- di- well, dictates that it be Tom here. Tom Cruise, Steven Spielberg, double man crush. Yeah. Um, but even still, like, this one just doesn't really jump out at me all that much. Although... The interesting thing now is that a lot of what was really cool and new in this one, the whole, you know, using your hands and controlling the screen like right in front of you and stuff is now kind of everywhere. Yep. You know, there basically isn't a movie with Iron Man in it where he's basically not Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah, so thank (laughs) Um, you, Minority Report, for making that the norm. 
it's on TV shows now and stuff. Yeah. It's kind of everywhere. Is this this tech that was in Minority Report is now so commonplace in everything that we watch. So now the Spielberg crews team up. You prefer Minority Report or War of the Worlds? I think War of the Worlds because War of the Worlds at least has <clears throat> at least has a couple memorable suspenseful scenes. Oh, you talking you talking about that basement scene where that tentacle's the coming through? The basement scene is fantastic. <laughs> that whole scene with um oh, I, I'm sorry, I can't think of his name right now from uh from Bull Durham was married to Susan Sarandon forever. Um the actor's name. He was Tim, the kind Tim of Robbins. The, yes. That scene with him down there in that basement and then with the kind of probes coming through was fantastic. Can I can I ask you a personal question? Sure. When you are thinking Tim Robbins, you go Bull Durham, not Shawshank Redemption? Oh, I love Shawshank Redemption, but I love Bull Durham too. I mean, uh, you might as well have gone to, you know, he was the uh he was he was John Cusack's rival in in uh in in that High Fidelity movie. <laughs> oh, you're talking about but Tim but Robbins. John Cusack had a lot of rivals in High Fidelity. <laughs> um no, I mean, yeah, I easily could have gone Shawshank. I love Shawshank. I've seen it that one like a hundred times. Mm -hmm. But I'm a sucker for the Kevin Costner baseball movies. There you go. And Bull Durham is just such an Bull Durham might be in my mind. It's certainly on the Mount Rushmore of sports movies. It's just so. I mean, it's wow. up there with Rudy, wow. with Hoosiers, wow, with, Ro with for me Rocky Three. That's my favorite Rocky movie. Okay. Um, the natural but, is the natural up there for you. Uh, it's the natural is the natural. It's a good movie, but it gets bogged down a little bit mm -hmm. with the non-baseball stuff. Sure. And, and again, likewise with for love of the game, the other Kevin, another Kevin Costner movie. I love all the baseball stuff. It's the non-baseball stuff that drives me crazy. You. Um, so I just fast forward through that. Yeah, uh, ten years ago, Ocean's Thirteen. I don't, you know, is twelve the one where Julie Roberts shows up, or thirteen, where she shows uh, up? Actually, eleven is the one where Julie. Well, right. Roberts what I mean, though, I'm up. sorry. Let me let me. Where, and then where Julia Roberts comes the in, real Julia Roberts shows up. Where she comes in to act like Julia Roberts. Yes, yeah. that's twelve, and twelve gotcha. was horrible. Twelve was garbage. And I remember liking thirteen better, and I like twelve because they knew that twelve was bad. They made thirteen as like a, we're sorry for twelve. Now they're doing it. Twelve was the one where twelve was the one where they all hung out at George uh, Clooney's like huge mansion in Spain or whatever, and just kind of partied their way through the movie. Right. Um, and then they made 13 and 13 went back to roots, went back to Vegas, brought back a lot of the same themes from is, 11 and was a much better. Movie. Is 13 the one where, um, Monica's dad was sick and he was kind of comatose the whole movie? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 And, uh, Al Pacino, they brought Al Pacino in another great Ooh, movie. Uh, yeah. That was such a good movie. <laughs> yeah. Al yes. Pacino and, uh, Alan Barkin. And and the whole uh, thing is the whole thing is uh, Damon wants to go with the nose, and they don't yes. want him to use the nose, but he does. Yes. Okay. Yep. Now, is there not an all-female cast? Ocean Eleven's being Ocean. There is 11? with Sandra Bullock and a bunch of others. Um, 
maybe this fall or next summer. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think it's just eight of them. Okay. Uh, but yeah, all female. So are they calling it Oceans 8 then? I don't know that they're calling it Oceans. Um, I forget what the title. Here, hold on a second. I've got IMTB open. Oceans 8, Can, yeah. Oh, it is. They're calling it Oceans 8. Mm-hmm. eight. Okay, there we go. Um, it is Sandra Bullock <laughs> and Anne Hathaway, Sarah Paulson, um, Kate Blanchett. Wow. That's freaking awesome. Oh, that's a that's a murderer's row cast right there. Rihanna, Mindy Kaling. Now, I don't know who Aquafina is. Bless you her sure heart. that's not just a sponsor? I'm, A-W-K-W-F-I-N-A, Aquafina. Helena Bonham Carter. Wow. All right. That's right. I'm down. I'll be there. Katie Holmes. Is Katie Richard Holmes in this? Armitage. That's right. You better run. I'm just looking at a set photo that they that they released of them James of Gordon. the eight in a subway, or this is just seven of them in a subway. No, there's eight. There's one on the way back. Oh, so, well. anyhow, Aquafina and spelled completely awkward. I just spelled it for you. Um, yeah. So Ocean's Thirteen was good. Uh, Wait, also, who's directing Ocean's Eight? It's not Soderbergh. I don't, is I don't it? know. I haven't really looked at. Uh, I was look. I googled and rather than IMDb'd. Um, so I can find out really quickly for you, though. Come on in. Oh, Gary Ross is directing it. Did Seabiscuit, did uh, one of the Hunger Games movies. I sent you the trailer the other day for Mm -hmm. Logan Lucky, which is Soderbergh's kind of uh, southern oceans movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, yes. Yes. That, yes. with Channing Tatum and Daniel Craig in it. Yeah, we talked about that. What is the what is it called? Do you remember? Lucky uh, Logan Lucky. Le- yes, I'm there. It comes I'm out so there. in August. Yes. Um, they try to rob the Charlotte Motor Speedway. That's right. Yes. Matt Damon will be in Ocean's Eight as Linus Caldwell, so there, oh, it's, it's nice. going to be in the same. Right. So making a connection. Making the connection. Sandra Bullock is Debbie Ocean, so I wonder if she's related and somehow. Obviously, probably related to. Oh, it's got to be like his sister. Yeah. Um, wow. All right, so this next one. Sorry. Uh, fantastic. I, I don't know why I put this on here, except that for some reason, I mean, it, it's weird that this is the best of the Fantastic Four movies. It really is the best of the Fantastic Four movies, which unfortunately isn't saying too, too much. I was okay with this and the first Fantastic Four I like this a lot better. I felt like they had started to kind of correct their their strides. A lot of people were complaining about Galactus, but you can see his shadow as it crosses um, Saturn, and I felt like we may be in line to get a full-on, you know, Galactus in a purple suit kind of deal. Uh, this hey, is if they gave us Dormammu. Yes. They well, can give us Galactus at this. Point. The problem is, is Fantastic Four is not. It's not their their thing. It's Fox, yeah, and. Yeah. And I don't know that Fox is going to work with them the same way that Sony has, um, which is unfortunate because I would love to see the Fantastic Four folded into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I've just got to say, with the three Fantastic Four movies, the one thing that is absolutely the most disappointing to me is that arguably I think one of the coolest and most interesting characters in Marvel Comics is Doctor Doom. Agreed. And they have come 
not even close yeah, he just to hasn't getting this character right. right on screen. A 100,000% agree. Yep. Um, then five years ago, wow, The Amazing Spider-Man. This and, is... and honestly, I put this on here just because we're getting a, a, the third, re what, second reboot of it? Yes, yeah. Just five years later. Amazing Spider-Man, not that bad. Um, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2, not that good. But I really was hopeful with The Amazing Spider-Man because I liked Andrew Garfield. I liked what they were doing with him when he was actually in the Spider-Man costume. He was quippy. He was funny. Uh, but in those movies, he did cry a lot when he had the mask off. So wait, what was Amazing so Spider-Man? They made two Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies. Yeah, the first one was him versus the Lizard, and the second was Electro with Jamie Foxx. That's right. So That's I'm thinking right. this is and, Amazing Spider-Man. One had wait, which one had the Green Goblin in it? The second one. Okay, so the second one was the one where Mary Jane dies. Right. And it came out just three years ago. Right. There was a lot of mistakes made with that second one, I feel like. Um, but there was also moments in that second one that just brought me to tears in a good way. Um, I felt they got closer to... They got closer to... Peter Parker and Spider the Peter Parker and Spider Man personality than yeah. they did the Tobey Maguire movies. Agreed, agreed. Um, so uh, really, you know, and I am looking forward to Homecoming. Um, I, I am too. I, I think it's going to be be something really special. So, um, Eris, before we take off here, that's our anniversary movies. Before we take off here, let me set this up just the right way though, because I don't want to. Okay. Uh, I'd feel bad if if I didn't bring us into this discussion absolutely appropriately and this is all going to depend on my computer actually doing what it's supposed to do oh you got the what that's right we've both seen wonder woman and if you didn't like this movie you're a bad person <laughs> because this is the greatest superhero movie ever made just ask people on the internet I'm kidding, of course. I'm being sarcastic and probably overly snippy. Yes. But uh, we have seen Wonder Woman, and quite frankly, I'll just say this to get us started off to talk about this. Uh, it is the best of the DC movies that they've made thus far. I was just going to say that, too. Um, and so, also, if you have not seen Wonder Woman, this is your this is the point where you should stop listening to this and come back later after you've seen it. If you don't want to be spoiled, yeah, walk away. Walk away. Um so what'd you think of Irish overall? Uh, I, as you just said, it's of the DC universe movies. It's definitely the best one, but it falls. It, it, it falls under the same problems that the DC universe movies have. And in my mind right now, that's directly related to Zack Snyder. Um, you know, it's thank you, by the way. Thank you for that. It it's the same overly dark, overly rubbery CGI nonsense that you know and, and this movie was cruising along pretty well until the last act. And that's <laughs> all of a sudden where it's like, Oh crap, here we go. This is 
this is Superman Returns. This is wait, was that the first of the new Superman movies? No, I get that was, them all confused that, now. That was Man. Of, that was Man of Steel. Oh yes, Man of Steel, where he you know snaps Zod's neck, and then the just a ridiculous battle scene at the end of Batman versus Superman. Now we've got all that garbage again at the end of Wonder Woman. Um, I loved her. I loved the Wonder Woman character in this and Gail Godot. They were amazing. Mm -hmm. Amazing. I could have like, I could have just watched them for like just her, like just walking around London for four hours. I would have been completely entertained. Um, I loved, uh, I loved Steve's character, uh, Steve Travers' character, in com in contrast to Wonder Woman. I thought they worked really well. I loved his group that they meet up with later in the movie. I, I, all three of them completely entertained me. I wanted more of them. But the the to the big twist in this movie, I saw coming a mile away. It didn't surprise me. Even the, the even even the even the identity. Yeah, I completely knew that David Thewlis was Ares. Wow. Absolutely did not surprise me. Because you don't cast uh, you don't cast David Thewlis to just have him be in two scenes in the middle of the movie and then disappear. Like, you know, I just I, I don't wow. know. I just Well, they and, got me. And, I'm and not going to lie. Also, they got me. And also the Danny Houston stuff was just too over the top and obvious. I'm like that. That's he's not, and and her her laser focused attention on him was too much. I'm like he's not going to be Aries, you know. And base and the other twist too, her being the weapon. I called that immediately too. Sure. Like as soon as we see the sword, yeah. I just I leaned over to my nephew Liam. And I'm like, the sword's not the weapon. She is, and right. he's, and even Liam was like, yeah, that's what I was just thinking. The sword, yeah, I, I figured that. But now I'm going to tell you the Thulis thing that got me on. I thought Ares was going to end up being the uh, the porcelain faced lady, the Doctor Morrow. That would have been more interesting than David Thulis. Well, that's who I thought it was. I mean, like I really was. I'm like, he's not the, he's not going to be Ares. She's going to end up being Ares. And um, and either she doesn't know it or she's just kind of playing dumb or whatever the case may be. Well, uh, when and so when Thula showed up, I'm like, oh wow, I didn't see this one coming. But I guess I should have. I guess I'm the idiot in the room. <laughs> no, nobody's saying that. I will. I will say this. I, I probably should watch this movie when I'm not as tired as I was when I did watch this movie. Um, because uh, I was um i was tired it was a 10 o'clock show and and i and the hype had been so much and here's the other thing that happened i heard people invoking the name of christopher reeve when discussing this movie <laughs> uh and look i i just feel like that the richard donner superman the movie sits on a pedestal all its own for what it accomplished and 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 you've got to be on really firm ground to to make those comparisons. And so yeah. I went in thinking, wow, if they're comparing it to this. And then what I saw was, as you said, the typical Zack Snyder, like Patty, what's her last name? Jenkins? Is that right? Patty Jenkins. Patty Jenkins. She did a great job of of keeping the visual style to what Snyder had done. 
But that's not a good thing, I don't think. And I'm wondering if with these DC movies, if they're trying to go for an intentionally... Of course, Zack Snyder's always had that kind of style, hasn't he? Where everything feels more like a painting than a than a real world kind of setting in some instances. And and I don't know if that's a if that's a decision being made with these so that because they are comic book superhero movies or or what, but I I I didn't care for the I didn't care for the style, the cinematography at all. But I will say this too, I felt it moved really slowly. Um Yeah, I, I gotta say that too. There there I, I did and and it wasn't that I was bored with it. I, I was still entertained, but it definitely had a slower pace to it. I wanted her, and I mean, like, she puts on the costume, and of course she covers it up, and, and, and they keep teasing it, you know, flopping out. So you never really see it until she actually breaks it out there at the at No Man's Land. The No Man's Land scene was, sequence was the best part of the whole movie. I 100% agreed. I was loved it. fan-freaking-tastic. Yep. I was like on the edge of my seat i was cheering i loved every single moment of that yeah. scene yep and and, and and not just the her crossing the battlefield but then when they continue into the town mm-hmm. like that whole sequence and then even the even the 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 cap to that sequence when you know the guy's at the piano and he's singing and then she's seeing snow for the first time like those were beautiful moments that worked really well there right after this really violent sequence. Yep. And that was all my favorite part of the movie, that big chunk right there. Agreed. I wanted more stuff like that in the movie. Yes, I, I 100% agree with that. And 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 that because I wanted more and kept waiting on more and it never really got there, so that when she and Ares start their big battle, it's like, oh, so this is this is going to be one of those now. You know, yeah. This is going to be your obligatory blow up everything around you kind of moment in time, and um, and all of a sudden we're both throwing lightning around and right. stuff, and and, and I, I gotta say that that was my biggest disappointment in the movie is how she fought Ares and how she defeated Ares, basically just being simply the weapon that Zeus created, this conduit for the lightning. Yeah, and I really wish that that they had taken the opportunity to, because I got into a conversation with a friend of mine at work and she is a massive wonder woman fan mm-hmm. has read the comics her whole life, like has, you know, shirts and figures and stuff like that. I mean, she couldn't wait to see this movie. So of course I had to talk to her about it after we had both seen it. And she was disappointed that, and how they kind of tweaked the origin of Wonder Woman where she's like, oh, he's just she's just a product of Zeus, just mm-hmm. man creating her. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, but that's not how I saw it, because if if she was the weapon of Zeus, then all his involvement in her was was just that bolt of lightning to that initial spark of creation. But when you look at her, she's really the product, the creation of her mother and of uh, Robin Wright's character mm-hmm. and all the other women on Themyscira who all had a hand in raising her and teaching her and training her. That That's who she's really the creation of, the product of, is all the, all the Amazons on Themyscira. And I wish in that battle at the end against Ares that instead of her 
just being the conduit of the lightning that she had used the training from Robin Wright's character, that she had used the wisdom and the knowledge she had gained from her mother and from the other Amazons that have taught her and used all of the stuff that the Amazons have been pouring into her for years, use that as her way of defeating Ares. That's what truly made her the weapon. Yeah, that's a and great point. really missed out mm-hmm. on not doing that. So so would you have liked there to be that moment of she's kind of down, she's down, she's being beaten down, and then she remembers something her aunt tells her? You know, yeah, told her just, I a, thought it was weird that, that her memory went back to, like, Steve Trevor, even though they had established that there was a connection between them and the two of them might be in love. Like, I wish it had focused more back on, you know, like in Rocky where – you know, he sees Mick like, right. get up, Rocky. Yeah, Rocky like, Five. Yes, like that's what I would have liked to have seen more of, <clears throat> and that's what inspires her and juices her up. And like, you know, and she uses these abilities and these things that she learned to take Ares mm-hmm. down. Yeah, that's I I kind of thought that too. But they are also, you know, with all of these uh, DC movies, they're going more, they're skewing more of the New Fifty Two era of origins and stuff and i think that's kind of the updated wonder woman origin is that she's kind of a daughter creation of zeus and And i didn't have a problem with that 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 wasn't an issue for me the issue for me was that you know her defeating Ares was i'm really not going to do much more than all of a sudden i can absorb all the lightning you're throwing at me and like harness it and it basically she's like bishop from the x-men now like taking all the energy and then <laughs> not a, release it not like an x-men reference not an x-men reference but I, I listen i don't want it to be lost because you know when you start talking about things that other people have apparently really loved and liked and, and you're not as keen on it as they are people tend to start getting a little upset and i and i don't want it to be lost that i did like this movie and, so did i and i thought there was more done right especially with the characterization of diana and in company than um than there was done wrong i really do feel that way but i don't and there are moments and patty jenkins has said that there were moments that are clear homages to superman the movie the whole alleyway sequence where she deflects the bullet you know off of steve trevor and everything and and of course it plays out a little bit differently than the superman thing but um but it was still a good moment it was a fantastic moment it was a great moment that's what i'm saying is there are homages there i know but when you compare it to uh, to 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 Christopher Reeve Superman to Richard Donner Superman the movie as far as being for this character what that was that's where I disagree I was having this conversation with someone last night and that is that that for years and years and years and maybe even still to this day that the character of Superman as it's portrayed in live action there's the shadow of Christopher Reeve that'll always that apparently always be there until someone can come along and do it as well or have something to play with as well. Henry Cavill is is fantastic casting, but he's still going to get this comparison to Christopher Reeve. There's still this whole uh, adherence to the philosophy of St. Christopher, basically. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know that Gal Gadot... And, I, and here's the other thing I need to make abundantly clear. I love everything about Gal Gadot. I, she is a legitimate BA woman. She was in the Israeli Defense Force for two years. She is she's super athletic. She's a mother. She's a, she's just awesome. Dude, I, you need to watch yourself some Fast and Furious, man. I absolutely love her, and um, but 
I don't know that her portrayal of Wonder Woman is necessarily going to be the standard for years and years to come. In the same way, you know, for 40 years later, I don't know that people are going to be pointing to Gal Gadot. And I think they, I think they will. And for the simple fact that it, and the one thing we haven't discussed here is it took, it's just stupid that it took this long for a Wonder Woman movie to get made. It's just stupid that there are still people in Hollywood that think this way that we can't make a movie with a female heroine as at the, at the front of it because boys aren't going to go see it. And, and it's just, you have to make these movies. And I'll be honest, my nephews did not want to go see this. Their dad and I basically are like, you guys are stupid. We're not giving you a choice. You're coming to see this. You have to and, watch Wonder Woman. Yeah, basically. And all three of them really liked it. Yes. So, you know, you, you you have to you have to stop that mentality that thinking that it's why haven't we gotten a black uh, black widow movie from Marvel yet it's like come on already like you know you, you've given everybody else their own movies you gave Ant-Man a movie and we're not getting a black widow movie it, it's just it, it's silly thinking that people aren't going to go see these if the story's good if it's cast well if it's written well people will go see it and the more you make, the more likely this mentality that my nephews had, like, I don't want to go see it because it's a girl. They're going to stop because they're going to be like, oh, I saw this one. And I really liked it. Mm-hmm. And I saw this and I really liked it. I saw this and I liked it. I mean, we're still like two or three years away from the Captain Marvel movie from Marvel. It's like that's got to stop. So because this was – Finally, we're getting a Wonder Woman movie. I think Gail Gadot will be remembered for a while because this was this was the first one out of the gate. Well, here's I guess what I'm saying is is I don't know that her portrayal is going to be hard for people to shake off down the road. In the same way that, you know, Brandon Routh compared to Christopher Reeve, Henry Cavill compared to Christopher Reeve. You know, I don't I just don't know. Obviously there'll be comparisons drawn in that sort of thing. But, well, I get the sense that she's going to be playing Wonder Woman for as long as she wants. I agree. To. Oh, sure, sure, and I'm fine with that. You know, we're we're de- we're going to see her again in a few months. Mm-hmm. I want a Justice League movie. I want to respond to what you said about it it taking so long to get a Wonder Woman movie, and 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 what perplexes me is the idea. You know, forget all the you know females can't carry superhero stuff and everything, which has been the argument, and, and forget that crusade. How about just the crusade from this standpoint? Wonder Woman is as much of a legend of the DC mm-hmm. universe as Batman or Superman. She is someone who has always been there and who is who is equally iconic as Superman. She carried her own television show for three seasons back in the late 70s. Uh, she's been in just about every cartoon incarnation of DC characters. She is a she is a backbone of the DC universe and for it to be 2017 before we got a full on Wonder Woman movie to me seems ridiculous because you don't apparently understand how integral this character is to the DC universe as a whole having said that I don't know that I've ever read one Wonder Woman comic book I I couldn't tell you who her rogues gallery is and um and and I just I I I don't know I, I and not because she's a woman but just because having never really been into DC 
you know, my female superhero as a Marvel kid was She-Hulk. I was all about She-Hulk mm-hmm. uh, or Miss Marvel or Captain Marvel. You take your pick of all these different things. But I, I do know that when I taught Justice League, Wonder Woman's a part of the Justice League. Wonder Woman's on Super Friends. Woman, Wonder Woman is, she is the Trinity. She's part of the, what has been become to be called the Trinity of Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. And, I think that Superman and Batman are much more interesting characters when Wonder Woman is around. I I think they're all interesting when each other is around. I think I think that uh, ramps this them up. This is true. This is true. Yes. I mean Superman and Batman are more interesting when they're together, but I think you add Wonder Woman to that mix because there's you know Batman tends to be you know if Superman is the light Batman is the dark and Wonder Woman is kind of that she at times can be that gray in between. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I do want to say this too, and you'll appreciate this maybe. As I was leaving Wonder Woman that night, I I texted my friend Derek and I said, "Hey, just left Wonder Woman. Uh, what'd you think?" And um we talked about it and uh Derek sent me a text and he said, uh, and it just said head cannon colon. And so I'm waiting. I'm like, what's your, what's in your head cannon? And he sends me a picture of Apache chief from the super friends. I love that. And I was so excited about I, when I was talking to my friend Sarah at work about it. And, and she was, you know, we were talking about that little group of guys. I'm like, I was so excited that Apache chief was part right, of that. Right. And I'm like, well then he then I say I love it now because he asked what I thought and I said I liked it mostly, and he said hey and then he sent the head cannon thing and sent the gif of Apache Chief Crow and I said I love it now thank you and he said you're welcome, and I couldn't stop thinking about it. I'm like my lord man that's perfect, and he said that's all I could think about and I'm like I genuinely want that, and uh, he says literally every scene he was in I said he was a favorite character of mine in the movie, and then Derek ruined it all he said if he had just grown so he could have picked Steve out of the plane, and I'm like now I hate. <laughs> I'm like now I hate the movie. What's this roller coaster you have me on? <laughs> that was definitely an interesting choice that they made mm-hmm. in having Steve sacrifice himself. Yeah, I was really intrigued by by just the whole back and forth between her and Steve, and mm-hmm. you know she really thinks he's this good noble guy, and he knows that he's not. He's Cassian Andor. You know, and, yeah, and he tries to explain it to her. Like, I'm a spy. That means I lie to people. You know, and and I think that, <laughs> especially after their their hookup, I really think that there was a guilt to him about that. That, you know, and I do believe he tried to be honest with her, but you know, I, I just, I found that really intriguing. I liked that between the two of them. I liked that it was not so clear cut Mm -hmm. i thought that that was really really interesting and not something that you know you tend to see in a a movie like this they also did a great job of the balance of her naivete not making her weak Mm -hmm. um that her naivete challenged the norms rather than made her seem foolish because she wasn't one with the norms you know a lot of times when someone steps into a new world their naivety gets played not just for laughs but to show well they oh they've got a lot to learn with her it's like this world has a lot to learn like but also her challenging the norms too this is what i'm saying the scene, that, 
the scene where she goes off on all the generals was amazing. Mm-hmm. I love that scene. And she's like, where I come from, generals are out at the front of the battle, not hiding in a room away from the battle. And just just questioning all of them on their courage yep. and stuff. Oh, I love that. I wanted more of that in the movie. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying is like, usually when you have that kind of situation, it's like, oh, they have to learn. And her thing is stepping into the character she is, she's like, no, society has to learn. And and that's who Wonder Woman is as well. Wonder Woman is that person, that character who comes in to the society and says, let me teach you the better way. Let me teach you the right way. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, so, and that's one of the things that makes her so great. There were some great little throwbacks, you know, to the, there was the battle on the beach when the Germans came in and then, um, <laughs> and then, uh, they do the whole shield move. And so in the, in the village, when she just takes out the whole church tower <laughs> and, yep. and he, he throws back to what he saw on the beach and he calls that move for, you know, and she, and she's right there ready to rock it. And, uh, man, that I'm with you though, that the, the whole, from the time she climbs out of the trench until the end of that battle and the i mean that was like give me more of that stuff and the yep. and give me more of the the bat the bonding after the battle kind of things because that was some really good stuff um so we're i'll tell you this that Teresa and and she's and she and Kristen, as i said are going to come on we're going to talk about um the, talk about her and Kristen's uh view of the movie in depth but the one thing she said is i really she loves it but it doesn't make her want to see justice league See, it it does make me want to see Justice League because I want to see Wonder I want to see Wonder Woman again. Sure. I just I want more Wonder Woman. I mm-hmm. want more of this character. Um, and because of that, I want to see Justice League. Yeah, yeah. Well, I am. I mean, I'll see Justice League because it's Justice League. But yeah, I, well, I, that too. But. I think I think a lot of it goes back to what you said right out of the gate, though. Is that any of the most of the problems that stem from any of these movies, I think, stem from where this all began, and I think you have to lay some of the feet, at, some of the blame at the feet of Zack Snyder, and and I think I've kind of come around to. I don't know that I'll, I'm a big fan of his filmmaking style, and it's and it's probably not popular to say anything negative right now about Zack Snyder because of his situation. And by the way, you know, tragic situation with he and his family, yeah, and uh, and and handing over the final, you know, the the post production reins and probably. Maybe even a reshoot here or there to Joss Whedon for yeah, Justice but we can League. still talk about the movies that he's made yeah because you know look I like his his Dawn of the Dead remake oh yeah I did like that I thought it was really good it was fun it was it kind of rejuvenated the zombie franchises um and I liked the Three Hundred but. Since then, I can't think of a movie. Of Watchmen, I wasn't crazy about. Um, Sucker Punch, just, I don't know what that was all about. Um, I can't really think of anything else of his that I was like, oh, <coughs> excuse me. This was a fantastic movie, blah, blah, blah. So it's just, it's kind of every movie that he comes out with just it's either yeah they're plateaued or they're dropping down a little bit for me yeah so. I, I i'm with you there um i've got not much else to say about wonder woman at this point neither do i i do want to I see mean, it I, again I, i'm hoping it has another strong weekend um 
and and I think it could be number one again this weekend. And simply because I, I want I want it to perform well, so that because Hollywood is a copycat industry, mm -hmm. you know, I, I need I want it to prove that there can be movies like this and that people will go see them and that they will work. Yeah. Because there's so many other great female characters out there that we want to see on the screens and. You know, female directors that should be given chances to direct movies. Um, you know, it's just it, it. You should be hiring the best people for the job, regardless of whether they're man, woman, white, black, yellow, purple with polka dots, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Just hire the best people that you can. Yeah, and I and I'll tell you, Patty Jenkins was a great choice for this, and 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 because she drew a lot of her inspiration. In the way she set things up and did things from Richard Donner's Superman, I think that just goes to reinforce that she was the right person for this. Because Superman the movie is a standard of how to make a superhero movie. It really is. Yeah. And I think that plays into why we spent so much time on Themyscira and you know why we took so much time to actually get to the big action beats. Because if you watch Superman the movie, after Krypton blows up, it's kind of a slow movie until... Uh, yeah, you got to see him throw the football a mile and race the train, and you know it's not until he shows up in Manhattan. Yeah, until he, uh, until this, until the helicopter scene. The it, helicopter scene is when things really ramp up, and so get Lois to the chopper. Yeah, <laughs> Sage man, that's a bad outfit. Woo! <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, Christopher Reeve, we got to do Superman. The, I got to watch Superman the movie and Spaceballs now. Um. Well, that is that's it, man. That's going. I think that'll wrap us up, my friend. All right, all right, As we, all right. We'll go out on the uh, we'll go out on a little Wonder Woman remix, though. I do want to say I felt like the uh, I don't want to end this way, but I, I do feel like the lasso effects were a little. Oh, I love the lasso effects. Mm, they seemed a little cheeseball to me when she was whipping it around. No, I loved yeah. it. I loved the way she used it as a weapon. I I loved everything about. I the loved lasso. her use of the lasso. I'm talking about the effect. Looked very. Uh, I like the effect. Mm, I liked it. It looked. Was... It looked very much like something out of uh, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe in '87. No, looked very Ken and Globus. Well, we will agree to disagree on that. I don't agree to disagree with you. You need to. You need to think everything I think, Irish. <laughs> well, that's what? never going to happen. Well, come on. That's what. <laughs> that's what fandom's all about. We all agree on everything, or we get mad, right? <laughs> I've decided I'm going to have to be the common sense, the, the voice of common sense and geekdom. Where we right, can. so if, if anybody out there did not like anything that Steve or I had to say about Wonder Woman, all your comments should be addressed to Steve Glosson. That's right. Geekoutonline at gmail.com is the email. You can tweet me at Steve Glosson. We're at geekoutloud on the Twitter as well. Arish is at Darth underscore Duff. And uh, we're on Facebook. we got a great Facebook group. A lot of positivity over there. A lot of people just having a good time. The I like the Gulliver's Facebook group. The easiest, group. the easiest way to go be a guardian of the Gulliver's on that Facebook group is by going to geekoutonline.com slash group. Geekoutonline.com slash group. Don't put an S on there. And uh, that'll take you to the Facebook group, and you can ask to join. And we usually get with get we approve you or deny you in a couple of hours. If we deny you, it's because you you seem to be a bot. Um and definitely let us know if you see any of these movies. Captain Underpants, The Mummy, It Comes at Night. Like any of this stuff. Let us know what you think of them. I love seeing that. Yeah, I would definitely like to know what everyone's thinking of The Mummy who gets to go see it. So. Or It Comes at Night, too, because i got a feeling some of our listeners are going to check that out. Yep. 
So, uh, listen, our opinions are our own. You're not beholden to them. You make your own decisions based on what you want to see. So, uh, in fact, I would encourage you to watch 1987's Masters of the Universe before you go see Wonder Woman and make the comparisons for yourself. Steve and Eternia, we don't say goodbye, we say good journey. That's right. So, good journey, everybody. Until next time for Air Sure Advice, I'm Steve Glosson, and we'll see you on the next Geek Out Loud. <laughs> <laughs>